Hello, everybody. Welcome to another Comic Source Comic Boom collaboration. Uh, I'm your host, Jace, along with uh, Rocky from Comic Boom. And we're here to do a full series recap of Radiant Black, all four issues that have been uh, released so far. But we're doing it in the context of knowing what the big bombshell in issue four was. It was teased even before the first issue came, even before Final Order Cutoff. When we had Kyle Higgins on the show. He was talking about how issue four changes everything. Michael Basudel, editor and designer of the book, said the same thing. Um, and so with what we now know that happened in issue four, we're going to go back and we're going to recap issue uh, one through four completely with that knowledge and see what we can pull out of it. So there will be spoilers, uh, but before we get into that part of it, uh, Rocky and I are just going to talk in general, spoiler free, about how we feel about the series uh, so far and uh, anything else that we might want to throw in there before we get into spoiler territory. So um, I should also mention just a bit of uh, housekeeping. Not sure if the DC uh, Spotlight episode will be out on time this week. We're still waiting on the DC books. We usually get them on Friday. As we're recording this, it's Sunday night, and we still don't have them. So I think there might have been uh, a snafu at DC or what have you. So we'll probably get them on Monday morning, but there are 11 books. So it just might be hard to get all the books read and recorded uh, on Monday night so we can release on Tuesday. So we'll do what we can. It may be a little late, um, but, you know, we do have day jobs to pay the bills and whatnot. So I uh, apologize if it's, a, if it's a little late. I'm sure you guys will all uh, understand. But we thought we'd jump on and talk about uh, a series that Rocky and I are both really enjoying uh, so we still can put out some content for you. So uh, hopefully this episode will be out Monday or Tuesday so you'll get, you'll get a, a Comic Source Comic Boom collaboration uh, as, as expected this week. So, uh, well, Rocky, hey, thanks for uh, agreeing to do this. I know you're a big fan of Kyle Higgins and a big fan of Radiant Black. So I'll, I'll kick it over to you first. Give us your thoughts in general. Uh, what can you tell us about Radiant Black and, and how you felt about the series so far? Well, you know, Radiant Black started off, it was, you know, the first issue, I think, uh, you know, I enjoyed the first, first issue, but I will say this about the first three issues, that this is a character building story. And one of the things that I, you know, I immediately picked up on, and uh, and and I can say this, and it's so timely, and you mentioned it as well, but it really does, hark. it reminded me of Invincible. It really did. It reminded me of Robert Kirkman's Invincible. This was really good character building. And that's what it felt like to me. And But at the same time, it's interesting because I know some of the people early, some of the criticisms are uh, constructive criticisms of the first, at least of the first three issues is that, well, it was maybe a little slow going and, you know, maybe the pacing was a little off here and there. And uh, quite frankly, well, all that aside, I don't know. This was this was really good character building. And this is I'm you really get to know the lead character here. And and getting to know this antagonist, the lead character, Nathan Burnett, who becomes Radiant Black, and getting to know him and his and his best friend Marshall, who is a little bit kind of a, you know, M Marshall's almost like a, he's a little bit kind of a darker character, but he's 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 Nathan's best friend, and Nathan is a writer, and Nathan is is broke, and Nathan has to move back home with his parents in his parents' house in 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 Illinois, and. And he's in a low part of his life, and then to come, a, you know, come across this cosmic power that that Nathan Burnett ends up possessing, and what he does with it, and how he struggles with it, and uh, much to the chagrin of his best friend Marshall, who 
makes no bones telling him that he would probably do some different things with that power. Uh, and then, of course, running into somebody else who's got, you know, Nathan is the radiant black. And there's, of course, there's there's his opposite number elsewhere that he meets up with. This all happens in, in the first three issues. We're reviewing fourth issue. And there's a big, there's a big, of course, we're going to be discussing uh, later on. Spoiler alert later on, uh, the revelation in issue four. But this first three issues really builds things up. I particularly like getting into the head of Nathan Burnett as the the writer side of him. In issue three in particular, it shows excerpts of, of two stories that he's he's writing, or at least excerpts of the stories that he's writing, and how that links and gets a... You, you really get a good sense of what's going on in his mind and, and the writer's block that he has and how he overcomes the writer's block and how he overcomes the writer's block. It reveals a lot about his own character and about what's going on in his life. And this is really, really an impressive work for, for these first three, four issues, man. I am absolutely in for the long haul on this. And this is just four issues in. So I could say more, but Jason, I mean, give me your perspective, man. I mean, uh, what, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, when we had Kyle on, he mentioned Invincible. I've had other people that have, have mentioned it. Uh, you know, solo protagonist, very powerful. Um, and honestly, when when they were talking about issue four changes everything based on the, the powers and the mystery of where these powers come from, I honestly thought, okay, the big shocker, the big reveal in issue four is Nathan's going to be pulled into another galaxy, another universe, you know, what have you. He's going to be the champion you know, think uh, Last Starfighter or something along those lines. Um, and and that's going to be the big change, right? Nathan's going to just be thrown into the deep end. That wasn't what happened at all. I was completely wrong. Um, it was something kind of in a way even even bigger than that. And I guess that I guess the Invincible thing was influencing me a little bit because toward the end of that series, um, Mark Grayson leaves Earth. And, and so, you know, maybe I was subconsciously reading, reading into that. But yeah, I agree. Um, you know, we had Kyle on. He talked about wanting to explore Nathan from that idea of him being a creative. Obviously, Kyle and, and the rest of the creative team being creatives as well and understanding that freelance life and how tough it can be at times. Um, and you, you you were mentioning, I was listening to you start, uh, you know, giving us your thoughts. And you mentioned him being broke. Um, and at first, my brain went, yeah, he's he's not broke. He's he's broke. You know, you meant he's broken, right? There's something wrong with him. <laughs> yeah. He has this self-confidence problem. He, he takes his, his big chance. He goes to uh, Los Angeles to try to make it as a writer and ends up, you can see it there on the screen, ends up over $38,000 in debt in credit card debt because he, he's too timid. He can't pull the trigger on things. He overanalyzes. He can't get out of his own way, which is kind of the exact opposite of his friend Marshall, who's impulsive and, you know, maybe makes decisions too quickly. Um, so yeah, it's not just that he's broke. I think it's also that in his own mind, he's broken. He doesn't understand why, you know, he's had some minor success. He's had some short stories published, but he just, he can't get over the hump and he ends up having to go back home, uh, you know, to his hometown, uh, move back into his parents' house, you know, back into his old childhood bedroom. And there's, it, it happens. It happens to people, right? Um, but you, you, you can't see that as anything but a failure. It, you know, if you were out kind of trying to live the, solo freelance life out there in LA, Southern California, you know, become a successful novelist and, you know, uh, parlay that into doing some screenwriting and then movies directing that, you know, many people want to want to take that career path. And, and here's, here's Marshall kind of having to slink back home with his tail between his legs. And it seemed very much like that was um, 
something that, that Kyle Higgins wanted to explore. Um, and then we get the revelation in issue four and, and maybe we're not going that way after all. So I, I agree with, with Rocky that so much has been done in these four issues already, like up until the point of this kind of shocking event that happens so much character development done really, really well. Um, and it, it's not like it's fast paced. The story definitely has time to breathe. You get character moments, but these, these characters have already become dear to me. Like the creative team has done a great job of making them relatable and making me care about these characters so much in such a short period of time. And uh, I'm like Rocky. Like I hope the series goes on a really, really long time. I know that's, that's Kyle's plan. Um, in fact, on their radiant radio Twitch show this last Friday, he mentioned they, that I think he, they have the first 24 issues, the first two years, like plotted out. You know, not scripted yet. They haven't actually written each book, but they got, you know, they have it plotted out. So, you know, they were mentioning, okay, so issue four has got big revelations. The next big one, I think they said was 15 or 18. Then 28 has something, 24, 50 has a big thing. So if anything, this big event, this big um, uh, kind of plot point, this big story beat that happened in issue four shows that these guys are willing to do anything. They're like, they're willing to go anywhere with the story to tell a good story. Yeah. Um, and one other thing that really stuck with me that Kyle said uh, on on his Friday show, and by the way, it's on the Strawberry 17 Twitch channel. That's uh, S-T-R-A-W-B-U-R-R-Y 17. I believe that's what it's called. We'll put a link to it, the Twitch channel in the show notes. You can go back and watch Radiant Radio. They've had two episodes so far. Uh, but one thing that Kyle said in there is that he feels an obligation when you're doing a book like this, a creator-owned book that doesn't necessarily have, you know, millions of dollars behind it, or billions of dollars with some big, you know, corporation, Disney, or uh, I guess not AT&T anymore, <laughs> or soon, soon to be not AT&T, but regardless, Warner Brothers money uh, behind it, that he, he feels like there's an obligation to take big swings. Um and I feel like they took the biggest swing in issue four with, with what they did. It was absolutely incredible. So uh, with that being said, if you've tuned in and you don't want to be spoiled with the big event for issue four, um, then you're going to need to read issue four, you know, read the whole series, come back and watch the rest of this um, after, because we're now going to get into spoiler territory. We're going to talk about the big event that happened in issue four give uh, our feelings about it somewhat. And then we're going to go back and we're going to go through issue one, two, three, and then four leading up to the event. And we're going to analyze these issues with the context of knowing what's coming, knowing that big event, because they knew it. The creative team knew what they were going to do toward the end of issue four, last couple pages of issue four. And how does that change anything that we see or saw in issues one through three or one through four leading up to that event? So, uh, Rocky, if you want to drop the bomb or, or the boom, as it will, uh, appropriately for comic <laughs> boom, uh, what is this big event that we're talking about? What is this big story point in issue four that shocked the hell out of me? Well, uh, I, I'm going to, I'm going to build up to it. I'm going to build up to it, uh, by, by okay. reference, uh, by, a, by what I hope is a compliment and an analogy, uh, uh, to Spider-Man and, you know, when Peter Parker became Spider-Man, one of the one of the central foundations of Spider-Man was that Peter Parker was motivated 
uh, he got his powers and instead of using his powers to uh, to basically, uh, you know, immediately help people, he became a wrestler first. And then ultimately he let the robber go that that ultimately ended up killing his uncle Ben. And of that and then, of course, inspired him uh, to become Spider-Man when Uncle Ben was killed. With great power comes great responsibility. Now, what does this have to do with Radiant Black? Where am I going with this? Well, you know, Radiant Black, this Nathan Burnett, he's a struggling writer. And we've the, the first three issues, we learned quite a bit about Nathan Burnett, about him being a writer. And we also learned, actually, quite a bit about his best friend, Marshall, uh, who was a little bit a, a character who was Marshall is helping him train. And... What I find interesting, where things are, my expectations were completely thrown off, I never saw it coming, is Nathan is killed. He is killed. And boom. it is, boom, exactly. And the power, this radiant power, this, this, this alien, this alien being that bestowed this power upon Nathan has now offered it, offers it to Marshall, and issue four ends with Marshall accepting it, accepting the power. And it's interesting is that Nathan, Nathan gets killed actually protecting and saving the life of the Radiant Red, the, his enemy, saves his enemy's life and then dies. And so his enemy, Radiant Red character, is still alive. And now Marshall is accepting and becoming Radiant Black, or Will, and what I'm openly wondering is, are we going to, you know, I'm wondering if farther down the road, this Radiant Red character, will this Radiant Red character end up being, could he end up being a good guy? Being inspired by, uh, I don't know. I mean, that, that you know, I, I'm really speculating now, but I mean, I blame Kyle Higgins, but in any event, I'm jumping, I'm jumping ahead. I just, this is such a shocker to me and maybe we should have saw it coming. But I'm I I'm shocked. I'm just strain. I'm straight up. I'm surprised by the revelation, Jace. I'll I'll let you take it from here, man. Yeah, I I I don't know. You know, go again. Going back to what we know from the solicit from uh, the next issue, and then Kyle did share a couple pages on the Radiant Radio from issue five. Uh, issue five is called Radiant Revenge, um, and like we were talking about Marshall before, he's very much more impulsive, very much more. Um, you know, not as thoughtful, uh, you know, I guess just, like I said, impulsive. So his best friend's just been killed. What do you think he wants to do to Radiant Red? So I think uh, issue five is going to be a pretty big battle between the, the two Radiants, the, the new Radiant Black Marshall and uh, and Radiant Red, because, uh, yeah, Radiant Revenge, Marshall's pissed. His best friend's been killed, you know, albeit he died heroically saving. Uh, so basically what, and we'll get there when we recap it, but there was a battle between black and red and a, a building got damaged and Marshall, you know, without hesitation rushes inside the building, keeps it up with his powers as long as he can. Uh, and I, I thought you were kind of going there with the Spider-Man reference Rocky. Cause you know, the great scene in Spider-Man 50 where Spider-Man has to lift, you know, the massive amounts of uh, yeah. rubble that's, that's over him. That That's kind of what happens to Nathan here. But the other thing, and we'll analyze it a little more when we get there, you wonder about, whether or not the power could have kept him alive had it chosen to based on some, you know, some things that happened toward, toward the end of the issue, because it seems like that's the case. Um, at least that's the impression I got, especially when Marshall's kind of faced with the same question from this entity and, and gives a completely different answer in a completely different way. Uh, but, but we'll get there. Uh, but what I want to talk about first 
and then we'll start recapping the issues is just the initial. Uh, so first I felt shock and surprise. So kudos to Kyle. I've been reading comics for a long time and this one totally took me by surprise. Uh, it was not what I expected. You know, I kind of expected the off into space or, you know, something not quite as, as big as this, you know, this really does change everything. Because going back to what I was saying before about how invested we already were, we already uh, were in these characters, you know, Rocky himself mentioned it, you know, how much we all love Nathan, you know, in the space of only three issues, you know, we especially with issue three and the struggles and you, you empathize with him. You know, I think we've all faced challenges in our life and uh, faced situations where we didn't feel adequate. We felt like we were failing. Um, and so he's a very relatable character, a very thoughtful character. Um, and I liked him. And so my initial, after my initial surprise, I was kind of mad. I was like, no, I want more of Nathan with these powers and, and see, you know, see his struggle to try to figure out how to become a hero. Um, but I get Kyle's point, uh, you know, where it's like, well, we've kind of seen that story before. Let's do something different. You know, there's so many comics out there on the stands. You've got to differentiate yourself. So let's be different. And so I, I get that and I have to respect that. Uh, the other part of it that I immediately thought was, well, it's comics. Is he really dead? He could he could come back the very next issue, right? Like we just saw it or we're about to see it this week with Robin issue two. Uh, you know, we saw Damien uh, last page of uh, of Robin number one, get his heart ripped out. So he's dead, right? He's dead. No more Damien. Well, no, they're going to bring him back the very next issue in Robin 2, DC Comics, you know. It, it's comics. You can do that sort of thing. And so I'm thinking, well, it's radiant black. The power comes from a black hole, even if it's a miniature one. You talk about black holes. You're talking about, you know, gravity that's so strong. Light can't escape. Relativity. Maybe time itself can't escape. Uh, can he warp back and, and prevent his own death? And can Or can Marshall go back and prevent his death and that kind of thing? And they're going to bring him back like the very next issue. It doesn't seem like that's the case from everything I've been hearing from Kyle and hearing from the rest of the creative team. I think he's really gone. The question could be, is he gone for good or could they bring him back in a different way? I think that's still on the table. Obviously, the guys wouldn't reveal or tease that yet because they, they want that to have some impact too. But there, there are a couple things that when I would re went back and reread issue one through three that I saw, okay, well, yeah, maybe they are planting some seeds or have already planted some seeds for an older version of, uh, of Marshall, you know, alternate universe Marshall where he didn't die, you know, that sort of thing, uh, or uh, alternate version Nathan rather, where he didn't die. So he could still come back. I'm not completely convinced he's gone, but it sounds like he's, it sounds like this Nathan is dead. This Nathan from this universe, from this world, from this reality, whatever you want to call it, is dead. Um, and there's still a part of me that's disappointed and a part of me that feels a little bit cheated just because Kyle made such a big deal about wanting to analyze and tell the story of this guy who uh, was a creative who went back home, you know, after failing and, and that sort of thing. And he, he made such a, that was such a big theme. It felt like such a big part of the story that he wanted to tell. And we got a lot of that in issue three. And so it felt like, yes, that's the story we're going to get. Now it feels like with Marshall, we're going to get a completely different story because in, in a way, Marshall hasn't succeeded either. You know, you couldn't say he's a successful guy. He's got all these crazy business ideas, but he's see, this is the thing. Like Marshall took his swing and missed and had to come back home. It feels like 
or, or Nathan rather, God, I, I always keep mixing them up. Nathan took a swing and missed, right? Like he went to LA, he gave it a shot. It didn't work. He ended up massively in debt. He had to come back home. Maybe it's even worse for Marshall. He's never even taken his chance. He's never taken his shot. He's never left the town. He works in a freaking video store. He has all these crazy harebrained ideas, get rich schemes. Almost, he, he reminds me kind of like Jughead in a way, you know, like that sidekick character that, you know, always lives in the shadow of, of you know, whoever, Archie or in this case, Nathan Burnett. But Nathan took his shot, was out there in Hollywood, big shot writer, whatever, and comes home as a failure. Um, is that better or worse than what Marshall's done having never taken a shot at all? So it's not just, and I say that because it sounds like we're still going to get a really interesting story. It's just not the story that we were sold in the first place. But how could you tell us that without ruining the surprise? So I'm a little, I'm a little conflicted about it. Um, but at the end of the day, it made for an incredible surprise and an incredible shock and an incredible issue. And it certainly makes me want to continue reading the series. So in that way, I guess it was successful. Um, yeah. And maybe there's an alternate reality that I live in where I, get to keep reading the Nathan Burnett story. And hopefully if I meet up with my future self, he can tell me all about it. I, I'm, I'm quite happy with this turn of events. I, I think I would have gotten tired of, uh, I might've gotten tired of uh, Nathan relatively quickly anyway. Who knows? I mean, uh, I, I will say that the whole idea of the whole idea of sort of like the it's almost this this is almost if i'm using spider-man as an example it's almost like what if flash thompson was bitten by a radioactive spider <laughs> you know or you know and, and that actually was a what if story there was also a what if story what if J. Joma jameson's son was bitten by the radioactive spider in other words what if somebody with a little darker attitude or what if the alpha male what if the bully became the superhero got the powers now i'm not saying that marshall the best friend is the bully but he is marshall himself has been somewhat unsuccessful in life but what marshall has over nathan and this is i got frustrated with nathan throughout th in the first three issues because nathan himself he was so so drowned in his own writing he couldn't even get his writing right uh he, he, he kept experiencing writer's block he continued to fail and even when he got all this great power he still, I was stunned, just like Marshall was. I related more to Marshall. Marshall being, I was surprised as Marshall, the, the character in the story, his best friend, shocked that Nathan wasn't doing more with his powers. It was ridiculous. Like you got the power of the cosmic universe in, in your in your body, and you're not using it. I mean, I mean, I don't. We don't know what these cosmic beings that gave Nathan the power, you know, that they now offered to Marshall. We don't know what they're thinking, but. I'm sure that they're probably not disappointed that Marshall accepted <laughs> the power because Marshall, you already know, you know, and we can go through the very specific uh, scenes, which very clearly show that Marsh Marshall has a very different, a little bit more of a no nonsense approach than, than Nathan has. You know, one thing in particular that Marshall says at one point in the story, and this was in issue three, Marshall, and this was ironic, Marshall him, or himself actually says, to Nathan, he says, "You've got to take control of your story." You know, it's here's here's Marshall. He's not even a writer, and he's telling his best friend, who's supposed to be a writer, "You've got to take control of your story, man. Get your head out of your ass. You know, stop yeah. being so complacent. Stop getting writer's block. Do something. You've got the ability. Just do it. You're not do, you're not using your talents. 
You're you're not now you've got the power cosmic or whatever it might be, and you're not doing anything with it. Just like you're not doing anything when you're writing. I felt the the frustration that his best friend had, and we're all like that with our best friends. When our best friends don't meet our, when we know that somebody's got potential and they don't meet that. You know, a good friend will tell you, hey, get your head out of your ass. And and Marshall is a really good friend to Nathan and is telling him that. And and you get a sense that not now that Marshall has that power, I'm pretty sure Marshall's going to be a very different type of character with that power. Because <laughs> you saw the expression on his face when he reaches for that that power globe at the and that last panel. And, you know, it's going to be very, very interesting to see, you know, how this story dynamic changes. Yeah, it's going to change a lot um, with with Marshall having. I'll call it the power radiant, um, right? <laughs> but you know, you t- you talk about them being best friends. Are are they really though? I wonder. We're, we'll get into that. What I mean by that when we uh, as we we go through the issue. So we start off with issue one. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, we we get that scene that that Rocky showed earlier of the cell phone, my accounts, and we see that Marshall is indeed thirty eight thousand dollars in debt and. Really, it's even worse than that, right? Because you're you're when you're thirty eight thousand dollars in debt, but you're thirty eight thousand dollars in credit card debt. It's just going to continue to grow. You know, we see his checking account has forty six dollars, but his it's his credit card balance is thirty eight thousand um, dollars. You know, that's going to continue to grow with with interest. And so he's actually on the phone with his bank. He's he's asking about getting a loan, and they're like, no, we, we can't give you a loan unless you get you can get your uh, your income up. And, you know, it's that, it's that whole catch 22, a bank doesn't want to give money to people that actually need it. They give money to people that already have money, you know? <laughs> um, and that's kind of the, the, the trap that, that Nathan has found himself in. But again, through his own fault, through his own, um, inability to get out of his own way, his own inability to actually succeed as a writer for whatever reason, you know, wishy-washy can't take control of the story, what have you. So he does end up going back home. And I, I, there's a, a scene with him, you know, meeting his parents and uh, and Marshall does show up there and, and it, it is telling. And this goes to what I was talking about with maybe they're not friends or maybe I mean, time has gone by. Right. Like they're they're good friends in high school. I can't say that all the people I was good friends in high school that I would be friends with now. Right. Like you move on with your life. You have other experiences. They have other experiences. And maybe you don't end up being at a place where that's somebody that you would be a a close friend with just because you've, you've grown, you've taken different paths and now you've grown apart. You're different people. Maybe you don't have as much in common. Um, and so yeah, I think it is telling that, you know, Marshall shows up there and he, or yeah, Marshall shows up there and apparently Nathan's mom had mentioned, Hey, yeah. Uh, Nathan's coming home. And, and Marshall's like, why didn't you tell me you're coming back? You know? And so, yeah, maybe yeah. he didn't tell him because he's embarrassed. He doesn't want everybody, to, but maybe he just, Marshall and Marshall's attitude and Marshall's brashness and impulsiveness. It's just not something that Nathan really ascribes to anymore. So I don't know that if these two, because they're so wildly different, I don't see these two. If this is how they were in high school being, uh, being really close friends and, and Kyle alluded to something uh, along these same lines on on his podcast or, or Twitch channel on, on Friday. Um, but I do find it, I do find it interesting, right? It, it's probably that because of the failure, because of the struggles that Nathan has, he's got even less self-confidence and he, and, and that's the thing, right? It's that self-fulfilling prophecy, that self-doubt. 
if you give into, it makes it bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. So he's probably, you know, less able to be successful at, at creating than he was back in high school. And with whatever Marshall's gone through in his life, that's obviously made him, you know, so use Rockies were darker. I mean, he definitely seems like he will live in that gray area morally of what's right and wrong. He doesn't seem to have any trouble breaking the law or, uh, you know, doesn't want to deal with the cops or what have you. That's probably based on things that he's gone through over the, you know, the past however many years since he's been in high school. So again, they've been on different paths. I don't know that they would be uh, friends now, but they do have the history and I think they do still really, uh, care about each other. So, um, you know, enough that, that, uh, that Nathan does confide in him when Marshall takes him out that night, they go to a bar and, you know, Nathan's giving him the whole sob story about being $38,000 in debt. And I love the Marshall kind of calls him on it, right? Like, well, that's a lot. You haven't told your parents. Um, you probably haven't made the best choices. Like, you know, you're in crippling debt. Why don't you, you know, do something about it? Um, you, you took your shot. It didn't work out, but it doesn't mean you're, you're worthless, but you know, you're going to have to do something different. Maybe you should listen to some of my crazy ideas, you know? So it, he does care about his friend. Um, and it may be that Marshall, Marshall doesn't really have any other friends. Uh, but there are a couple things he said that, that really, you know, like he mentions, uh, because Nathan dropped, uh, name drops Raymond Chandler and like, ah, I'm never going to be Raymond Chandler or what have you. And, and Marshall's like, well, I'm pretty sure Raymond Chandler died a drunk and penniless. So you're well on your way. You know, his, his <laughs> friend just came home tail between his legs and Marshall's sort of kicking him when he's down. But you know, he, I, I get it. Right. It's sort of tough love. Like, dude, pull your head out. Like to, to use Rocky's analogy earlier. Um, and that's when they leave the bar and, and, uh, Nathan gets the powers. But before we uh, recap that part, um, do you have any thoughts on, on that Rocky? Like, do you think they would be friends now? Like, do you, do you see how they're, they're different and maybe it's just their past history. That's, that's kept them together. What do you think? I, uh, well, I actually, to be very blunt, I actually, <laughs> uh, at the risk of, uh, uh, uh TMIing too much information. I I actually have uh, I've got at least two relationships like this coming out of high school uh, to this day with with friends like this where we have very different backgrounds and we had different uh, you know uh, we 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 had different uh, you know I went on to pursue an education and um, uh, one of my other buddies did did the exact opposite. We're polar opposites in many ways, but and uh, he's perhaps a little bit more of a, a redneck. Uh, than even I am, and uh, but uh, but we're very good friends, and uh, but we we also uh, we can be antagonistic toward each other, but 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 in a but in a in in only a way that good friends can be. So I can actually relate to this. I I can very much relate to this, and I suspect Kyle Higgins can as well, because I uh, if Kyle Higgins is just guessing, <laughs> he's doing a really good job because this is uh, this is quite good. 
I don't see that. Uh, I don't see Marshall as being a bad guy here. In fact, there's no evidence that Marshall even has a criminal record in the context of this story. The police, at the end of this story, I mean, at the end of the first issue, the police inve- are investigating both of them. We know that the, they ran police checks on both uh, Nathan and Marshall uh, through the story. And to my knowledge, I don't believe that Nathan, or pardon me, that Marshall, the best friend, is has a criminal record or a ne'er do well or anything like that. He works at a video store, but he he's just a guy who's who's just a, he's a young man in a small town that doesn't at this time in his life doesn't appear to be going anywhere in particular he doesn't himself have any specific goals he's he fancies himself uh, knowledgeable on many things perhaps useless things from video games to opinions of others but he's a thinker and uh Marshall is one of those guys he sort of reminds me where I got we all I think we've all had friends like that where we we have a lot of friends that if only they could channel their their sarcasm or channel their brilliance or channel their social skills into different avenues, they would go so far, but they just don't, you know, they, they, they just, for whatever reason, you know, I mean, if, if Marshall could sort of like encapsulate, you know, his, his ability, you know, maybe he'd make a great salesman or he great something, but he never, he's, he never really focuses. He, he never really picks something to focus on. He's a jack of so many trades, but a master of none. That's Marshall almost. And he's always given advice despite the fact that he's never really a great at anything. Well, now he's got, now with issue four, Marshall, I mean, I think this is a good setup for Marshall. Even in the early issue, Marshall is this guy. He thinks he knows it all. He's cocky. He's telling, he's, he's going to tell his best friend how to live his life, despite the fact that his friend is, is at least making some efforts. Whereas Marshall himself is just living in a video, working in a video store. And at least Nathan's doing something. Now the challenge for Marshall, we now know about the end of issue four that Marshall now, Hey buddy, now what's your excuse? You got the power radiant flowing through your veins now. Now what's your excuse, Marshall? Now you can show the world what you're capable of and let's see if you can raise, rise to the task. Yeah, it goes back to what I was saying earlier about, you know, Marshall's never channeled that stuff. He's never taken his swing. Um, yeah. And now Nathan's back and he thinks, well, maybe with Nathan here, um, I, I might have the confidence to, to do it. So we don't know why uh, Marshall hasn't. Uh, as far as him having a, a criminal record, uh, no adult criminal record. Um, I think juvenile records get sealed <laughs> when somebody turns 18. Uh, and we and we do know on the cover of issue five, there is uh, kind of in the background a, um, a scene of Marshall getting handcuffed. So don't know what, what that's about. But, no, you know, not a surprise. He probably dropped yeah. a cherry cherry bomb in the toilet at, at school or something like that. So. Uh, anyway, back back to issue one. As Marshall and uh, Nathan leave the bar, they see something floating off in the distance over some railroad tracks. It turns out it's the mini black hole that, uh, when Nathan touches it, gives him the power radiant. Um, and a, maybe because he was drinking, maybe it's a combination of drinking plus him uh, getting this power. He starts to feel really nauseated, and he he throws. He's like, ah, oh, I think I'm going to throw up and. Uh, Marshall's like, don't throw up in that helmet, dude. There's no place for it to come out. But he leans over and then and vomits, and it it like comes through the helmet somehow. And uh, uh, Marshall even comments on it, like, "Oh my God, you don't even have a mouth. How are you doing that without a mouth?" And there's a couple of cops that show up. I imagine they're they're all over this area, being that it's you know uh, a kind of a late night social area. 
Um, and they're like, hey, is everything okay over there? You know, do we need to give this guy a ticket, drunk in public, run him into the <laughs> drunk tank or what have you? And um, again, Mark, this is where we first really start to see how assertive and impulsive Marshall is. He doesn't back down from these cops at all. Hey, we're fine. Um, and the cops are like, well, can you at least get off the railroad tracks? We don't have to. Uh, you know, we're First Amendment auditors, he says. We have the right to assemble. We're assembling on these tracks. You know, he's just giving it to these cops. He, there, he has no fear. He's fearless. Um, maybe because he doesn't stop to think about the consequences, which, you know, knowing what we know at the end of issue four could bode well for him or it could cause further problems. Um, exactly. The cops point out, well, you're on private tracks. And Marshall says, well, then the, the, the owner, the railroad should come and kick us off. Meanwhile, I mean, the cops are just trying to get them out of the way so that, you know, if their train comes, they won't get hurt. Well, that very thing happens. A train comes while Marshall's arguing with these cops. And it's uh, the first chance that Nathan has to use his powers. And he basically uses his powers to kind of levitate everybody out of the way of the train and levitate the train itself to keep it from running into them, as well as the police car. And then further showing um, Marshall's impulsiveness and an innate sense of... Uh, kind of survival, I'll say, you know, wanting to cover his own butt. Uh, when the cops say, hey, can you let us down? Like, wait, we'll let you down if you promise not to arrest us. You know, there, <laughs> yeah. There's no part of Marshall's personality or no part of Marshall's world or universe where he will give something for nothing. Yeah. He's always, he's very much one of those people like, what's in it for me? I got to get something out of it too. Not that there's anything wrong with that necessarily, but that's not something you would not a trait you would put on your list of things that you want a, a hero to have. Right. If you go back to the Spider-Man analogy, that's exact opposite of what exactly. Peter Parker does. You know, he puts everybody else first before himself. Um, and, and, and Marshall's not that guy. So anyway, they, they agree to it. Um, Nathan levitates everything back down, grabs Marshall. They fly off. They land on a water tower and they have a, another little talk. And this time, uh, Nathan's even more real than, uh, than before with, uh, with Marshall telling him that, yeah, you know how I, I said, you know, I, I possibly had a book deal. Well, it, it's not exactly that. Um, you know, I, I didn't even get that far. Um, you know, I, I just went out there and, and, and failed completely. And, uh, and he is a little angry with Marshall as well. Um, he's like, I, I can't believe you, you threatened those cops. And uh, Marshall's like, oh, come on, dude, I was just trying to help you. And, um, and Nathan goes off on him a little bit, you know, and, and this goes back to what I was saying about wondering if, if these two would be friends if they met now, because uh, Nathan says, I didn't ask, I didn't ask for your help. You know, things are hard enough right now without you marshalling everything. You know, I didn't ask for your help now. I didn't ask for anybody's help in LA. And that always makes me think, well, maybe you should have. Maybe you should have reached out sooner, Nathan, and you wouldn't have ended up in so much debt. You know, you could have come home sooner. You could have tried different things uh, instead of being sort of crippled because that that's that's the thing about Nathan. He seems so incapable of making a, a choice throughout his time in the book um, because even choosing to ask for help is a choice, right? Like that is a plan that is doing something instead of just – being insular and vacillating and being wishy-washy and not making a choice while the hole you're in gets deeper and deeper 
because you're not even choosing to ask ask for help. So again, it's just further illustrating the the difference between the two. And um, you know, when Nathan does say, uh, "Yeah, I had my shot and I I blew it. I screwed so many things up," and you know, he lets Marshall in on the fact that this could be a great thing, but all he can think about is he's going to screw up the power having the power radiant too. And yeah. uh, and Marshall does show that he's a good friend by saying, "Hey, you know, you, you're a good person." Um, I know how much you care about people. I, I know you're worried, um, but you're not going to screw this up. I won't, I won't let you. Um, and besides this, this will, and I will say that despite his somewhat cynical nature, uh, in terms of always wanting to get something out of it and not trusting anybody that seems inherent mm-hmm. in Marshall, he does, he does have a, this tendency to, to try to look at the silver lining in terms of how, you know, let's spin this to see how we can turn it into a positive. Um, and that goes probably with a lot of his harebrained business ideas where, hey, there's always a way to to, to make something out of this. Uh, he does say, hey, maybe getting this power radiant will be a good thing. You know, they say writers need to be unique and have, bring something unique. Um, and on the last couple pages, um, as he's talking about how unique uh, Nathan must be for having this power, that's when we first see radiant red and uh, how similar he looks to uh, to what Nathan looks like. So I think it's a great end to issue one, further illustrating the difference between the two characters. Um, and it, I think at this point, you know, having shared this common experience of having Nathan get the power radiant for the first time and going through this, you know, nearly being arrested and nearly being hit by a train and uh, and that scene on the water tower. At that point, their friendship to me is is completely reestablished. The bond is there, um, despite whatever, you know, Nathan says about I didn't ask for your help. Um, but Marshall does at that point really show how much he he cares about Nathan. So um, anything to add about sort of the last uh, couple scenes of, uh, of issue one, Rocky? Uh, just that, uh, I mean, that conversation, it's, it's very telling. I mean, it's, we, it's, you know, it's funny because all the criticisms that people have about, you know, I, constructive criticisms of the first three issues, a lot of it centered around it. Well, it was kind of slow going. It was maybe a little bit too much dialogue. And, but yet when you, it's the very dialogue, it's that very relationship. Most of the dialogue centered between around Nathan and Marshall. And now we know why. It's it's setting this up because really the the the, the actual secret, the point of that was for help was to help the, us the reader get to know Marshall more than Nathan, I think, ironically enough. Or I mean both. We you have to know both to understand the dynamic, but I think, you know, we I think we hit the nail on the head here. When we when we talk about you know the we're asking the right questions you know well I don't know is 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 Marshall a, really a a good friend is he really a good guy I mean that's the nature of friendships friendships are never I mean are never perfect friendships are always up and down some of the best friendships are a little bit volatile friends hold you accountable for what you do wrong while at the same time helping you that's what Marshall's doing with Nathan and and we're, we see a lot of that more. Uh, that happens in issue two when uh, when Nathan takes the bull by the horns and uh, pardon me when Marshall takes the bull by the horns in issue two and really wants to plan and to help Marshall uh, pardon me help Nathan 
develop into uh, Radiant Black, into a, a genuine superhero. But of course, Nathan would rather just focus on his writing and moving forward. So, no, I thought the opening issue was uh, was excellent. And then that final page with the Radiant Red, just letting you know that, hey, there's... There's other there's other colors here. <laughs> we got at least one one color radiant red floating around here, and he he's definitely a bad guy. So it really kind of makes you think. And the other, I I like the misdirection because for any of us who are thinking that Marshall might be kind of a bad guy, is Marshall going to be the bad guy? Well, wait a minute, isn't Radiant Red the bad guy that we we saw on the last page of the first issue? So that almost reinforces the fact that well, we've already got the bad guy, so it's it can't be Marshall. But wait a minute, if Nathan dies at the end of issue four and Marshall takes over and Marshall's kind of darker, do we got, is there a good guy left? I mean, all these little questions in my head, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's great. And then, and that, that's, that takes us to the end of issue one and now we're off to issue two. Yeah, I don't think it, I mean, no part of me ever thinks that Marshall's going to be an out and out villain, but he's certainly going to approach it from how can I make this the best thing for me? How can I monetize it? You know? He'll pull a booster gold and be like selling cookies and toothpaste or something. Um, But yeah, to your, to your point about, you know, it being dialogue heavy and people kind of complaining about it. I I agree a hundred percent knowing what we know now about issue four. It wasn't so much that we were getting to know Nathan so much as we're getting to know both of them. And we were seeing the differences between them. That was really being highlighted. The, their different outlooks, their different personalities, different way they make decisions and handle certain situations, because that's going to inform how different Marshall uses the radiant power as opposed to the way that Nathan used it. So issue two kicks off, and it starts just uh, a little while after the end of issue one. Marshall is uh, heading back home after being out all night. Uh, been there, uh, been you know, coming home from a night out with the sun coming up. It's not really the best feeling, <laughs> I will say. Uh, and it's been, it's been a long time. I think the last time I came home from a night out all night with the sun coming up was because I had volunteered at a vaccine uh, site over overnight. It wasn't exactly because I was out partying. Couldn't tell you the last time I was out partying all night. But uh, when uh, Marshall gets home, his father's there. He's gotten up early to go for a walk with his walking group. And uh, they have some oatmeal together and Marshall's dad, who he seems very kind of conservative, very solidly Midwestern, you know, and uh, he's got the the questions he's got and he calls them the facts. You know, he doesn't mean to hurt Marshall. He's not trying to come down on him, but he's like, okay, you know, you wanted to come home and sure, no problem. I get that. You know, it's your family. You're going to be welcome here, but you didn't tell us what happened. Are you okay? And Nathan indicates he is. And he's like, well, but financially. And, you know, Nathan doesn't want to tell his father that he's, you know, in massive credit card debt because his father would probably have a heart attack. Um, but he's like, well, I wouldn't be here, dad, if it was if I was doing OK. And his dad's like, well, if you're going to be here. You're going to you're going to work. Right. Like um, you can't just do do nothing, you know. And, and Nathan's like, uh, but I'm, I'm writing his dad's like, but nobody's paying you to write. Uh, can't you do what you were doing out there in, in LA? You know, the, the, the driving thing. And Nathan's like, well, the dri- dri- driver that pays pennies like that. You have to drive so much, you know, to make anything. And his dad's like, well, pennies paid for this house, you know, a whole lot of pennies, but you know, 
uh, you, you got to do something. And Marshall gets mad and says, you know what? It's late. Go enjoy your walk. I'm not doing this right now. And his dad basically lays down the law. You know, you can stay here as long as you want, but you got to work. Those are the rules. Um, so I don't know what, what, again, it goes back to Marshall not having a plan. What are you just going to come back home and eat your parents' food and, you know, mooch off them, not pay rent and, and try to write? I mean, I know it's only been a day, but God, dude, you, you knew, you knew for how long that, that you were going home. You drove all the way back from, uh, from Los Angeles to Lockport, Illinois. That's a goddamn long drive. Didn't you think, didn't you try to formulate some kind of plan? Like, you know how your dad is, you know, you're going to need to have this conversation. But again, it, that's just not who Marshall is. He's got no plan. He just, he seems adrift, uh, incapable of making, um, a decision. And I, and I don't blame his dad, you know, like I get it. Maybe his dad is a little out of touch and a little old fashioned, but this is a, a little bit of tough love. And maybe it's what, um, maybe it's what Marshall needs. And in a way it's what, uh, or Nathan needs rather. Uh, and it's what Marshall also brings, you know, a, a little bit of that, that tough love. So um, any thoughts about uh, Marshall and uh, God, I keep getting them mixed up. Any thoughts about Nathan and his conversation with his father? Uh, Rocky, uh, uh, it, it's very traditional. It, it's very, it's 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 very traditional, very very almost tropey, but it means exactly what you'd expect. And 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 uh, Nathan is acting exactly as as anybody would out of fear. Uh, nobody, you know, uh, you know. I, I think that this. I think that uh, the last few generations. W- um, I mean, the average person lives with their parents until they're like 26, 27 years of age. Uh, latest statistics, I think, uh, that I read. Uh, it's getting increasingly common. And, you know, there's a lot of pressure on, on millennials and the next generation to, 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 you know, to get out there, be independent. And, you know, quite frankly, uh, fear of failure. Fear, is, fear isn't just a motivator. Fear also paralyzes people. Fear is the great... It's the great, uh, as as Frank Herbert said in Dune, it's uh, uh, fear is the is the mind killer. Mind killer, and, yeah. And uh, it, it it paralyzes you, and that's what that's what Nathan is experiencing. And the fact is, when Nathan was on his own, he was failing. He was having writer's block, and he failed as a writer on his own. And so, living, he was still continuing to fail, even moving back home. When all you're doing is changing the setting of the environment that you're working in. If you're failing at work, it doesn't matter where you're working, you're still going to fail. Something else needs to change. You have to figure out what it is, what that motivation is. What are you missing? And um, uh, Nathan eventually figures it out. Uh, I believe it's until issue three when he finally figures it out. He he does overcome his writer's block. But it, uh, you know, it's, he's, he's got to be humbled. Uh, But, you know, the truth sets him free. It's when he's, you know, it's when he, when he's, you know, he's doing it right. It's very difficult to be honest and admit that you failed. It's very, very difficult to admit that. And it's very difficult to ask for help to, to go and, and uh, to the credit of his father and, and his mother, they, they, of course, they, they welcome him back in with loving arms, even though, and they don't, they don't rub, rub it in. His father doesn't rub it in. His father doesn't do that. But Nathan is so sensitive to it. He's so ultra defensive that even mentioning to Nathan, the importance of earning your place, earning, you know, you know, making some money while you live here. <laughs> His dad, you know, walked on eggshells and it still pissed Nathan off. But that was it's Nathan's problem here. And Higgins, Kyle Higgins does a good job here 
setting that characterization and setting this relationship up because this is something that I think a lot of people can relate to. And uh, because, I mean, I went through, I mean, I remember in my younger years when I was going to university and broke and feeling that I was, you know, fearful of the future and not getting my acceptances and getting those rejection letters and struggling and moving forward. Man, it never feels good, man. It sucks. And uh, having those conversations and acknowledging those failures, you know, looking back, I can say, oh, well, you know, they, they helped me grow. But at the time, it sucks. It sucks, yeah, but you got it. Sure it it's got it. You got to go through it, and you got to suck it up. And it's just that's just the way it is. <laughs> yeah, but no, it was well done, well done here by uh, by uh, by Kyle Higgins, and and as the story continues, we have uh, we we got a great scene here with with uh, <laughs> Marshall you know, working at the video store and we get, we get a snapshot more. We get more information about Marshall's character and personality. He's very sarcastic, uh, with, uh, with, uh, customers and, uh, but he, you know, he, he seems to be, you know, knowledgeable of pop culture, which is, I think, I think it's kind of interesting because so many of us like to, you know, I think so many people are knowledgeable on pop culture, but yet it's kind of a useless talent to have, quite frankly. And I say that apologizing to myself and you and everybody else watching on YouTube. But the reality is, is that everybody and their dog knows something about pop culture and so does Marshall. But it doesn't really help you with a job other than if you have a million subscribers on YouTube. Marshall's sitting here working at a video store and uh, he gets visited by the by the police officers, the police officers out that uh, we met in issue one. Uh, confront confront him in uh, in the in the video store, and uh, meanwhile, while they're doing that, uh, Marshall himself, or pardon me, Nathan is uh, is having some kind of uh, uh, some sort of some sort of experience with the the power radiant, and we're not really sure what happens, but. In any event, it, it he finds himself waking up, having fallen asleep, elevated on his bed. There's a knock on the door, and it ends up that the police found out through Marshall where Nathan lived, and they're confronting Marshall. They're confronting Nathan in terms of you know where he got his powers, you know about the night before. And these cops are actually, you know, I was surprised. I was expecting something tropey. I thought these cops were going to be jerks, typical small town you know, stereotypical bad cops being jerks, maybe wanting to blackmail uh, Nathan, wanting to use their information of knowledge of they saw him use his powers the night before. But no, they these are cops that actually want Nathan to use his powers for the community, to give something back to the community. And they're they're just, you know, they're 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 just literally to be genuinely friendly. And and again, like usual, kind of like the the if there was one person that was maybe a little bit more of a jerk than everyone else, it was Marshall. <laughs> it was Marshall being a little bit more antagonistic. Again, it's once again, it's Kyle Higgins planting the writer, planting the seeds here that Marshall is always a little bit on edge. He's always a little bit more of the cynic. He's always seeing, you know, looking for an agenda in somebody else's motives. And he's never, you know, and it, and that's interesting because now that we know at the end of issue four that Marshall's going to be the so-called hero moving forward, and I use that in quotation marks, hero moving forward, how is how is Marshall's general cynicism in life and his background, how is he going to carry that forward? It's very interesting. Yeah, I mean, we, 
a lot of people might call that projecting, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Because Marshall's always the one with a scheme. So he's going to, you know, assume that he's going to be suspicious of others. Um, yeah, it, it was refreshing not to have the whole, hey, give us the power, blackmail, whatever. These cops do seem to kind of be on the up and up. One thing that's interesting, though, so far as they haven't shown back up, um, and, and we know that the period of time over um, issues, you know, one to four is a few weeks. So I, you would have thought they would have popped back in to check on them because these cops do definitely seem to want to um, maybe use Radiant Black to as – Marshall said, get a promotion, uh, you know, to, to have them help out. Um, and this is also the way that Nathan and Marshall learn about Radiant Red because the cops ask him, well, are you working with the other one? And they can tell by the genuine surprise and reaction from Marshall and Nathan that they haven't. But uh, they do find out that, yes, there is another Radiant Radiant Red who's in Chicago robbing banks. Um, so it is uh, it is how the, the story kind of moves forward. Um and once the cops leave, they get called away to uh, attend to a, a wreck, an, uh, an automobile accident. And uh, once they leave, Nathan kind of gives Marshall crap, like, dude, I can't believe you brought him right to my door. And Marshall's like, well, I didn't have a lot of choice, you know, because uh, when the cops were there, how did you find me? Well, <laughs> you uh, spent all night at a bar around the corner from where we saw you. It wasn't rocket science, you know, it took about <laughs> five minutes to find out who these two guys were. We've been sitting in there uh, all night. So once they they realize uh, now that they've learned, hey, there's this other radiant, radiant red. Uh, Marshall gets a, a crazy idea and he decides, well, my dad wants me to do driver. Why don't I go to Chicago and do driver, pick up fares, and you know I can talk to these different fares about radiant red, and maybe somebody will have a uh, have some information I can help track them down. Now. It happens pretty quickly in in the long run. I mean, I, we're supposed to think Marshall's been doing this all day, but when you think about the millions and millions of people that live in Chicago, yeah, the odds seemed, are pretty long. Seems a little forced. Yeah. yeah, so it, it just seemed, yeah, it's a little coincidental. Maybe if Marshall did it for, you know, a few weeks or something, but, you know, we want to move the story along, so that that's perfectly fine. Um, but one thing that I will say about um, the page where Marshall is, is doing driver First of all, it's like uh, 11 panels, which is a heavy lift for Marcelo Costa. He does a really good job. The other thing I want to point out is the first fare that he picks up, uh, Brian, and then he shows up again as, let's see, two, three, four, five, six, as the eighth fare where he says, still, no, I haven't heard anything. I'm pretty sure that's meant to be Brian Buccioletto, who is also a a writer, comic book colorist and writer. Um, It's it looks so much like him. It's got to be Booch. Yeah, it looks uh, like so John I, Lennon on the, right beside him too. Isn't it? it looks like John Lennon? He, in the one yeah, thing. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Where he says, "Uh, never mind." I'm like, "Wait, is it? Is he not asking him because the guy's blind, or yeah, because it goes?" So anyway, he does get a lead um, that uh, supposedly one guy saw the, the 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 red streaks in the sky over by a junkyard. So uh, Nathan does have head over to the junkyard, and sure enough, there's Radiant Red. Uh, he confronts him and, you know, um, the whole reason he's doing this, supposedly, uh, Nathan is doing this is because he's hoping that Radiant Red knows more about the power Radiant, where it came from, how they might have gotten it um, so that he can, you know, better understand, better understand. Because, again, going back to the wishy-washy nature of, of uh, Nathan, 
he doesn't want to do anything with the powers that's going to, you know, cause any damage or, or hurt people or, or whatnot. So he's, he's overly cautious with it as opposed to what Marshall would do. And that's alluded to later. Um, but when he approaches Radiant Red, he, he says, uh, you know, he doesn't approach it in the right way. He's like, um, okay, so I'm guessing you found a mini black hole. Uh, I have questions, but I, I do have to ask, how long do you think before the police find you? Because I found you pretty quick. Like, yeah. Why would you even bring up the police to this guy? He know you know he's been robbing banks. Of course, that's <laughs> going to spook him, and it, it it instigates a fight. It's clear that Radiant Red has been practicing with his powers, unlike <laughs> uh, unlike Nathan, who even says to himself, "Siri, make a note. Next time, I should figure out my powers before I get my ass handed to me by the other guy." Um, and then uh, carrying the the bags because he just pulled another uh, bank heist. Carrying the bags, Radiant Red decides to make a more low-profile getaway, not fly away, but actually steals uh, Nathan's car. That gets Nathan motivated. Um, again, probably fear. Um, like, this is the only thing he has, his only real asset, his only way to continue to make money. Uh, he really needs the car. So that actually spurs him into action. It's probably the most kind of decisive and... Um, kind of impactful and the most agency he has throughout the entire first three issues yeah. um, is when he, he confronts Radiant Red and he actually, he, he Radiant Red gets away, but I would say that in the long run, Radiant Black gets the best of the battle. He's able to save his car in a really cool scene, yeah. plunging off this overpass and he levitates it right before it hits the ground. And he also manages to pull the bags away uh, containing the cash from Radiant Red's, uh, heist. So you wonder if this goes to like, why is he more powerful when he hasn't been training with his power? We do see in issue four that it's possible that the power radiant responds to emotion. And I got to think at this moment, um, out of desperation, that Nathan is much more powerful, you know, much, he's much more emotional, which then may translate into more power. Well, it's, it's interesting as well that when he responds emotionally, and I assume this is for both of the radiance, black and red, that they speak in an alien language. Uh, and, yep. you know, they, they, they don't speak in English. And so they, you know, the uh, kudos to the letterer, uh, uh, I think it's Becca, Becca Carey. Carey. Yep. And uh, she's done a good job here of conveying the, the look and feel of an, uh, the look and the visuals of an alien language. Because whenever, it's almost like whenever, whenever Nathan is swearing as radiant black or is really, really emotionally upset, in some way, he's speaking, he seems to bird out and speak in an alien language. And I'm not even sure if he's conscious. It's almost like he doesn't even appear to be conscious that he's speaking in an alien language because he doesn't seem to to be self-aware that he's speaking in an alien language at any point, which is interesting. But we, the readers, know that he is speaking in that alien language. And combining that with the dreams and the, the visions that he's having as the story progresses, it, 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 it sort of, in, it sort of, intrigues intrigues us the reader to sort of keep reading as to what's really going on so it's it's actually quite fascinating it's it's very well done and a nice interplay between uh the the writing and the art by marcelo costa and becca carey on the lettering yeah i agree one thing i i, I forgot to mention you mentioned that levitation scene where um where nathan was sleeping and it was floating off off the ground i, I think I think very much at that moment, why that was happening is because he was interfacing. It is this entity that we learn about later on that that could be the source of the power radiant or is the one that bestows the, the power radiant, trying to interface completely with 
uh, with Nathan. And we see later on that it interfaces with Marshall in, a, in an easier way. And we'll talk about that when we get to it. But yeah, it's, it's, it's very much part of the, the power um, that, yeah, you're going to speak in this other language. It is obviously an alien uh, artifact, an alien, uh, a power that's alien in, in origin. So uh, anyway, after retrieving the bags, saving his car, Marshall, uh, Nathan opens the bags and, and, you know, for a moment thinks, ah, that's it. I've made it right. I've got all this money. And then quickly, and, and again, great art by Marcelo Costa with this helmet, just with eyes shows us that uh, Nathan quickly decides, yeah, I can't keep it. He's, he's too much of a good guy. Whereas I'm pretty sure Marshall would keep at least some of it uh, for himself, <laughs> yeah. but what, yeah, he'd, uh, he'd quit. He wouldn't, he wouldn't keep working at the video store. I tell you that much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So what Nathan does is he goes and drops it off at the scene of the bank robbery, like literally just floats it down to the ground and flies off uh, with a note saying, I think he lost this, goes home, has a conversation with his dad about how he thinks his dad is right. He needs to uh, continue to work, but that he needs to also set a couple days aside to write. He he wants to make sure he continues to, to follow his dream. So there is kind of this theme, and we'll, we'll see it again later in the next issue, where when Nathan finally does succeed at something, it seems like it gives him motivation to make decisions, right? So, you know, he's had a halfway decent night. He he didn't get the information he wanted from Radiant Red. He may have physically gotten his butt kicked, but he saved his car. He got his car back, and he got the money back and returned it, and that has spurred him to um, – to make a decision and, and realize that yes, his father's right. He does need to work. And as he sits there with his father, having a bowl of oatmeal again, early in the morning, uh, he gets a little ding from his app saying that he made 200 bucks on driver, which his dad feels uh, earns him extra raisins for his, uh, for his oatmeal. So uh, that's the way issue two ends. Uh, anything to add about the, the fight, the return of the money or that last conversation with his father, Rocky. Uh, no, I, uh, like I said, it was, uh, it, it, it was a conversation that needed to be had. He needed, uh, you know, he's, Hey, he needed time. He needed time to adjust and to, and to maybe snap into the reality of his new, of his new surroundings. And, you know, it's the old, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's reaching a point of acceptance because I think, I think Nathan was in many ways tolerating his life to that point. And the long, you can't change what you tolerate and tolerance turns into contempt. And if you start feeling contempt toward yourself and toward your life, because you keep tolerating so much, you, the only way to do it is acceptance. Even if it's accepting some things which aren't that good, acceptance is, it's almost like accepting truth and truth does set you free. And the only way you can change something is if you accept that it's the reality so you can move forward. And this is, this is uh, Nathan finally starting to get into his own and ironically being radiant black, I think has maybe helped him do that. And he did the right thing. He did the right thing. He gave the money back and he served others. And it's, it's like whenever you're feeling down or low, sometimes just helping others, serving others, uh, it can make you feel better. And up until this point, it reinforces the fact that Nathan's the good guy. Nathan is like Peter Parker. Nathan's doing everything right. The story is going exactly how we're expecting it's supposed to go S until we hit issue four, you know? So it's, I yeah, mean, it's and you, <laughs> yeah. And you do also wonder, like those cops were at his house, you know, saying, Hey, this guy robbing banks was power, same as yours. You do kind of wonder, if he, what he realized, well, if I keep this money, then it looks like I am the guy that was robbing the bank. You know what I mean? Like he's the yeah. last person that can keep it. 
somebody else comes along and finds it, you know, just a random stranger, maybe they can keep it. But yeah, it looks would look real bad if he got caught passing or using that money that, you know, they had the serial numbers from, and then he's trying to convince them, no, it wasn't me. So yeah, he does do the right thing uh, in the end. Uh, issue three starts off. He's up really early. Uh, it's a writing day. And he like he tells his dad that he likes to get a, a big start and he's hoping to get a lot of work done on his story. Then we get a couple of text pages, which is basically the, the short story that he wrote that got uh, published on the shaky alibi uh, website. And he's, trying to figure out a way because this is something successful that he's written. He's trying to figure out a way to turn this short story into the novel that he wants to write that, that agent four years ago said that they would be willing to to take a look. But as he's doing that, his mom and she's completely well-meaning is looking over his shoulder, talking to him. And, you know, uh, he's like, I got, I got to get out. of it. I got to go somewhere else. I can't do it here with her looking over the, sh- you know, my shoulder. And, you know, he's got enough, he's putting enough pressure on himself without, the pressure of somebody watching him do it. So he heads into his bedroom. He watches some uh, really funny uh, Zoom videos of cat. I'm not a cat, Your Honor, and I'm ready to proceed. It's one of the funniest <laughs> events of last year. Oh, my God. It was yeah. hilarious. Or earlier this year, whenever it happened, it was absolutely hilarious. But anyway, um, yeah, that writer's block is still there. Um and no matter what he tries, he, he writes this or that. And um, he's getting these flashes of, again, I think that language or information or that interface being downloaded into his head, uh, it's probably not helping. But no matter what he does, he just can't seem to get past. He can't find a way into the story. He can't figure out how to make the story bigger than what it already is. Um, you know, he writes certain lines. He's like, that's not. I could write it this way. I could write it that way, but that's not the story I want to tell. Um, he just really seems to be struggling and then kind of goes into, I think almost a, a fugue state and types radiant and then looks at it and goes, wait, what, where did that come from? Because this thought comes into his head that uh, it's all trash, throw it out, shred it, burn it. This is the opposite of radiant. Like, wait, what radiant? Like, where did that word come from? And that spurs him to uh, to go give a visit to his friend uh, Marshall at the video store. And uh, I'll let Rocky tell you what uh, – comment on anything that's happened to this point and then uh, let us know what Marshall's been up to uh, at the video store. Well, uh, well, you sort of alluded to this. It's funny. It's, I, love, I love how Kyle Higgins sort of scripted this and I love how this was illustrated by uh, Marcelo Costa – and again, Becca Carey, that the lettering is so important. He's, it's interesting because he has writing writer's block, and but we're the reader, we're we're very much privy to what is blocking him. Like he's 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 really hung up on exactly what did the you know his he's writing a story called Big Time. This character named Elizabeth Beckett is his lead character. She's a bank robber whose partner who's a. a partner in crime is killed at a bank robbery and he's trying to get a handle on the character and he's trying to figure it out and meanwhile uh it's interesting some of the panels show that alien language again and i i think that that sequence of alien letters i i almost think it it, it says radiant and i think it, it's meant to uh, on the page it's there on one panel it, it looks to be in an alien language and then in the next panel when they show this this his alien thinking it it says the word radiant, so uh, I think we're slowly, if we're, if we're paying attention, we there maybe there's even a pattern to a to 
to the language itself. It would be interesting to know if Kyle Higgins actually has uh, an alien alphabet created for this for this uh, for this new alien language. I don't know. Yeah, but actually, he does, and I think it's on the website. Oh, really? Interesting. So well, I'll, go, I'll, yeah, you can go and translate things if you if you okay. are so inclined. Well, then I, I think I'll do that because I'm, you know, because I'm sure we could probably figure it out. But this is uh, this is really good. I, I, I really enjoyed the process here of just uh, watching him sort of struggle as he goes along. We then get to we, we then go to the video store again where <laughs> we got Marshall and Marshall at this point. This is an issue three. We're not at issue four yet where there's the big revelation. And we go to the video store and Marshall here, Marshall, it's almost like watching an episode of Friends or something. He's, he's the sarcastic guy at the counter who, who's always, he's the smart ass telling these people who can't figure out what they want to rent to watch. He, he's got a smart ass answer for all of them. And it's actually, it's actually quite good. And uh, Nathan uh, confronts him and, and it, and Marshall reveals that he's, he's already, he's already, Pretty much, he's he's sort of like uh, he's protected the. Uh, I think he's protected the social, the trademark of the name Radiant Black. He's 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 already registered uh, in, on social media. The name Radiant Black opened up a web page. He's he's way ahead of it. I mean, he's way ahead of the game. The irony here, and this is this is in hindsight, this is must be kind of some kind of foreshadowing. But Marshall is Marshall is taking charge. Marshall isn't taking charge of Marshall's life. Marshall is taking charge of Nathan's life. You know, Marshall is taking charge. Nathan, if you're not going to get at the front of this Radiant Black thing and these power, I'm going to do it for you. I'm going to register this domain name of Radiant Black. I'm going to I'm gonna get ahead of the social media storm that's inevitably going to occur when you become a superhero that you haven't accepted that you're going to be yet. And Marshall seems to be 10 steps ahead of Nathan. And Nathan... Nathan seems shell-shocked. And I got to admit, I was feeling more for Marshall here. I mean, I was a little frustrated with Nathan, sort of like putting things off and and sort of like, what? What? You know, Nathan does seem to be a little bit naive here. And whereas Marshall, Marshall is maybe over the top, whereas Nathan isn't taking it seriously enough. And Marshall's taking it maybe a little bit too far. And that's what's interesting about their characters uh, in this scene. And in any event, it works. It works really well. And um, I, I quite enjoyed it. And um, yeah, I. Uh, <laughs> Nathan seems a little frustrated with his friend, but it seems to work out. It seems to work out quite quite well, and um, well, uh, <clears throat> he ends up in a cafeteria. Then he ends up going and he and he continues to write, and he's trying to get a handle on his character. He's frustrated. He's having a beer in a in a local restaurant, uh, and. Uh, he finally writes a phrase that resonates with him, and it says Elizabeth Beckett, his lead character, didn't recognize her life. And there you have it, right then and there. I thought it was brilliant because he finally, with that phrase, writing about with with Nathan Burnett, he finally got a handle on the story. The one line I think gave broke his writer's block. Elizabeth Beckett didn't recognize her life. He's finally writing about himself. How many times do writers say that? You know, always write about yourself. And that's what Nathan is doing. Nathan doesn't recognize his life. 
He wasn't supposed to be here. Well, he wasn't supposed to be a failed writer living with his parents in Illinois. He was supposed to be independent by now. He was supposed to maybe have a wife and on his way to be getting married. He, his life did not take the path he expected it to be on. He doesn't recognize his own life. So it's perfect for him to write about a character who doesn't recognize her life. And that's what that's what makes this scene work so well. And and, you know, <laughs> and the way it's juxtaposed with, you know, with him just having come out of the video store where Marshall, his best friend, is more focused on moving Nathan forward with him as Radiant Black, where it's so obvious that Nathan doesn't care about Radiant Black. Nathan cares about getting a handle on his own life and by doing so, getting a handle on the story he's trying to write. It's, I think it's, again, brilliantly done by Kyle Higgins. Yeah, the other thing is the fact that, I mean, Marshall comes up with the name Radiant Black. Marshall <laughs> is an idea guy, yeah. you know, calling out this supposed writer who should have tons of ideas <laughs> on not taking control of his own story. Again, you yeah. know, to use borrow your phrase from earlier, Nathan, pull your head out, man. Like, it's it's just, it's ridiculous. Uh, so I, I do enjoy that whole uh, back and forth with uh, with Nathan and Marshall and coming up with the name Radiant Black. Well, why would I be Black Black Radiant? Well, because you're not a 1970s Marvel character, <laughs> uh, so you know it's it's dope. And and again, showing great. yeah, showing Nathan's forward thinking. He's already got the he's already got it out on. Um, I can't remember what they call it. It's basically their version of Twitter um, that they already have. He's already registered the name on social media and whatnot. Um, and I also yeah. love the, the the part in the bar where. Uh, yeah, I guess drawing from his own subconscious, Nathan thinks he's onto something. Okay. What, what does, you know, Elizabeth want to do? Uh, she, you know, she, she's going to make up for her past robbing banks by, uh, teaching her skills and, and, uh, she's going to start uh, solving cases and she has a contentious uh, relationship with the DA. And then he realizes, yes, this is this I've turned this into a CBS procedural because <laughs> exactly. before, before I even read that line, I was thinking, well, this sounds like a CBS procedural. So, so kudos to Kyle for being very self-aware. Um, and yeah, I, I do agree with Rocky. It's the whole idea of writers need to write what they know. And when he finally, you can see the light bulb moment, his expression changes and he writes that line, Elizabeth Beckett doesn't recognize her life, but that's not enough. Like, right. He gets that idea, but, at that moment, that doesn't mean that his writer's block is completely gone. Um, it's not that simple, right? He's he's written that uh, he's written that line, and then on the following page, we see he's back home typing. But everything he's typing appears to be in that um, that alien language. And then there's a, a noise, and his ceiling explodes, and there is a an older what looks to be an older version of of Radiant Blackamore because uh, it looks like he his his powers are a little more boisterous. It looks like he has a, like a collar around him uh, and he grabs Nathan and hauls him up to the sky. And uh, Nathan saying, I don't understand why you're doing this, this, you know, older or, or uh, he, he almost has like a cape as well. Um, this, this more experienced version of Radiant Black speaks to him in the, um, the alien language. And, and Nathan's like, I don't understand. Who are you? And he says, I'm what you'll never be Nathan worth breathing. And the helmet, disappears and it's Nathan himself, but an older version of Nathan with the beard. Um, and he drops Nathan uh, and Nathan wakes up. It was all a, a dream. And he's like, Oh my God, you know, what time is it? 
He really hasn't, still hasn't written much. He hasn't written anything beyond that first line. Elizabeth Beckett didn't recognize her life. When he gets, uh, somebody has tweeted at him, has sent him a message from that account that Marshall set up on social media saying, hey, uh, we got a flat on uh, Highway 355. We could really use Radiant Black right now. So uh, this is where I started thinking what I was talking about before with, is Nathan really gone? This could just be a dream or, or who knows, you know, like I was talking about the whole idea of him whenever he's asleep, the um, whatever the uh, existence or, or whoever the giant robot is that we see in issue four, trying to interface with him, learning how to interface with uh, a human mind. I don't think that, you know, that's easily done right off the bat. Um, and so is this Nathan, you know, channeling something or picking up on something? Could there be later on in the series an older version of Nathan, despite the fact that this version of Nathan, as we said, died at the yeah. end of issue four? So this is one of the events that makes me think we may not have seen the last of Nathan. Maybe we've seen the last of this version of Nathan, but maybe we're going to yeah. get a an, an older version. I, I, um, I agree. Because this scene, this scene where he has a dream of meeting his older self is really out of nowhere. This is really, this was not, you know, I'm thinking, why would this be necessary? This really seems out of whack. It seems to me that, you know, uh, kudos again to uh, Becca Carey on the lettering, but even the, even the word balloons and the thought balloons, they're, they're, they're in black, but they're also in blue. So whenever he seems to be thinking in an alien language or he's got that alien influence, the word balloons themselves are, 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 are sort of like they're in, they're surrounded with blue and black lines and, and then that alien language. And then it's interesting. He's talking to his older self, but doesn't understand what his older self is saying. And so something is awry here. And, and again, we know from the end of issue four that, that Nathan, Nathan Burnett dies yet at the same time, isn't it odd that he would die? He's got this power radiant and can just a building falling on you kill you if you got the power radiant? That seems a little bit odd that that's all it would take to kill him, given how earlier when he was fighting the radiant red, I mean, he seemed to be taking a lot of punishment then too, but yet he appears to be dead and yet I don't, I don't know. It's, it's very, very interesting. It's out of left field. But it's one of those things where, you know, I can just imagine like you're alluding to maybe, you know, 15, 20, 30 issues from now, we might get a call back to this particular scene in issue three. Yeah, but at the same time, we could, we could, I wouldn't be surprised not if this was some, something of a red herring. Like, why would it be Nathan seeing his older self? Well, maybe he, you know, his subconscious sees his older self as, you know, successful. I mean, when, when Nathan, you know, asks, who are you? Uh, I'm, you know, I'm the version of you that's worth breathing, you know, as opposed to you, you you don't deserve to even be alive, you know, maybe foreshadowing his own, his own death. Um, very, very similar. So I just watched uh, Empire Strikes Back yesterday with my nine-year-old daughter. It was the first time she'd seen it. Unfortunately, she already knew that uh, Vader was Luke's father because in her words, <laughs> when I was in second grade, all those second graders were talking about that. So sure, she already knew that. But anyway, uh, there's that scene in, in Dagobah, right, uh, inside the cave right. where Luke goes in and confronts Vader. And when Vader's helmet explodes, Luke sees his own face. So it could be something similar to that, or maybe I'm just reading into it. But but either way, um, I would not be surprised to not see an older Marshall or an, yeah, an older Nathan come back, um, foreshadowed here, um, 
or if they do, if he does come back, uh, either way, I would, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, after what happened issue four, not, I feel like nothing's going to be a, might be a surprise, but it won't be, uh, you know, I, I won't doubt that it, it'll uh, be out of left field. So anyway, I guess to kind of get out of his own head, get out of his bedroom, maybe feel like he's going to accomplish something. Uh, Nathan does head out to the highway to try to help these people who have a flat tire. Uh, I don't know if he just is not very good at changing flat tires and using the equipment or because of his powers as radiant black, he breaks the, um, the lug wrench and the car falls and the the little boy is disappointed. They're going to miss the basketball game. So, um, again, showing how powerful he is and making me doubt whether or not a building would fall on him, would kill him, just like Rocky was just saying. He basically has them all piled into the car, and he, he flies them to the game uh, by lifting the car up. And uh, it is it is snowing. It is Chicago. It is cold. It is nice that the uh, the mom of the, the three uh, gave him a scarf to wear. It's, yeah. it's a really cool full-page image. Yeah, beautiful art. Flies. Beautiful art. Yeah. yeah, as he flies them off. Uh, heads back home uh, and says, well, so much for, for writing today. Better luck next time. It's 2 a.m. And he lays down to go to sleep when inspiration finally does strike. And again, uh, to Rocky's point earlier about him writing that line about uh, Elizabeth not recognizing her life, writers needing to write what they know. Um, but it, I don't think it's a light bulb moment and it immediately pops on. you got to ruminate on it. Plus, it goes back to what I was saying earlier about it seems like when Nathan has the most agency is after he's done something successfully, right? When he successfully saved his car and, and got the money back from Radiant Red, now he has successfully helped his family get to the basketball game. It, it spurs something in him. It sparks something in him to where he picks up his laptop, ends up typing all night. Uh, his dad knocks on his door the next morning. He's hearing the tap, 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 tap. And, uh, he, and yeah, Nathan's been up all night writing and his dad says oh it sounds like it was a, a productive day you know i'm happy for you and uh and nathan says yeah me too this time right showing that there's still that self-doubt like you've broken through the writer's block you've got your idea you're writing what you know and still the doubt is there um it just seems maybe it's a part of his character something he'll always uh, struggle with so definitely relatable for a lot of uh, creatives and part of the reason that Issue three resonated with so much much of the, the creative community. Uh, so, anything to add about this last uh, chunk of the story, Rock? Uh, no, just uh, just I I thought issue three was issue three maybe was a little bit, you know, it it was the appropriate type of issue. It was slower but very necessary. I thought it was very well done, and uh, particularly the insights. The potential insights of, of the story that he's writing too, you know, it's and especially, you know, it's it's one of those those moments where this is why we're we're reviewing these first four issues because it's it's the highest compliment I can give to Kyle Higgins, and I'm sure you're in the same boat that I very much wanted to go back and reread the first three issues after the revelation at the end of issue four. Because it was like, oh, well, it, it's now it seems like what seemed like just natural character progression was actually very necessary build up in the character development of Marshall for the last three issues through Nathan, uh, the original antagonist. And now 
we've got that subverted with issue four. Just, it was really brilliantly done. Uh, again, just, it's very impressive. And, uh, uh, and just as a further compliment, this is better written in the first six issues of Invincible, by the way. <laughs> and Invincible kept getting better. But this really is starting off even better than Invincible did. So high compliments. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, because what we at first thought, like you said, was necessary character development, laying the foundation. This turns out to be more important than that. Because with Marshall taking over the Power Radiant... We don't necessarily need a foundation for uh, for Nathan. We need a foundation for Marshall. <laughs> so why spend a whole very personal issue diving into Nathan's thought process and Nathan's feelings and Nathan's emotions? Well, because it makes him care about us that much more. So when he does uh, die at the end of issue four, it hits that much harder. Um, so in a way, issue three is is Kyle Higgins setting us up uh, and and making us care so that it will have that impact because it, it the impact would be you know next to nothing if it wasn't uh, somebody important like if it if it had been Nathan's dad let's say that died at the end of issue four you know then we really would be calling out the Spider Man uh, comparisons and yeah we'd feel a little bad but it wouldn't be it wouldn't have had the gut punch that it did with it being uh, with it being Nathan so as we head into issue four it starts with uh, Nathan again having one of these dreams. So this is what I imagine that he, he was experiencing when he was floating, um, maybe before he was having the dream where he met a potential future self. This is kind of what was going on. There's something, some sort of entity who's, who's talking to him and he's saying, I don't understand. He doesn't understand the language. Um, and this entity is kind of pushing on him. And even at one point yells out help. And what's really cool is uh, Becca Carey, the the letterer like stretches out the please stop as Nathan's being pushed, literally physically pushed on in his dream or in, in this existence, this interface. And the P gets um, deconstructed and stretched out to where it becomes the P of the alien language. Uh, also, apparently this alien language, according to Michael Basudel, the designer, um, what, he, what he said on radio, radio is the way this language sounds is the kind of the sound of an old dial-up modem, you know, the <laughs> so, you know, there may be some of you out there who never had dial-up and don't know what the heck we're talking about, but Rocky and I know the pain. I remember <laughs> I would, I would die. I would start my computer. I'd walk out of the room to not have to listen to that annoying and yeah. come back like five minutes, five minutes later. Uh, and then, you know, load a web page and come back 10 minutes later when the page was actually loaded. Oh, the pain of dial-up. Uh, so anyway, what we do see for the first time is is this uh, this robotic thing that says to Nathan, "Welcome to existence." Apparently, this is the being who either controls the power radiant, or bestows it, or has the ability to bestow it, um, or has created it, or, or something. Uh, but this is the being that has been trying to interface all along with uh, with Nathan, and uh, at that point. The scene shifts and we get uh, a scene of Marshall hanging out on his couch, eating black licorice, feeding some of it to his dog. When uh, Nathan texts asking if he's got any plans today and Marshall being at the film buff, ah, I'm going to watch a Soderbergh marathon on Criterion Channel. And uh, Nathan's like, uh, I'm, I want I need to practice with these powers. Any interest? I love a Marshall. It's about time, dude. Like, where have you been? He's been ready. 
Uh, and so you wonder, is it that interface that has finally pushed uh, Nathan to to want to ask for Marshall's help to use his powers? I mean, he mentioned it himself in issue two when he got his butt kicked when fighting Radiant Red the first time. I should learn how to use these powers. He's finally made a decision. He's finally going to go and, and hang out with Marshall and try to learn how to use his powers. So they go out to some property behind Marshall's house. They set up some action figures. What's interesting about these action figures, there's four of them. These action figures are characters from Kyle Higgins' Cowl series. Um, so that, that's kind of a cool little uh, <laughs> Easter egg. And uh, anyway, Marshall, again, very intuitive, very smart, is able to, to sort of figure out that maybe Nathan's powers are they tri are triggered on emotion, right? He's like, we've seen you uh, levitate things. We've seen you fly, you know, being that you have uh, this energy, you probably could, could have, you know, the ability to project energy, some kind of energy blast. And, you know, Nathan's like, well, how would I do that? Well, concentrate, dude, think about it. Uh, and he does, you know, fire off a small one. Um, but Marshall knows there's more to it, right? Like, again, just Marshall being a comic book buff, Marshall understanding that, Hey, you gotta, you, there's gotta be more, right? So he starts trying to get him angry. And on these, he's like, well, that's a cliche. And I love Marshall's response. Well, cliches exist for a reason, dude. And so he starts trying to insult him and uh, he finally pushes the right button, which allows uh, Nathan to fire a huge energy blast. And uh, Marshall's pretty excited. Whoa, that was dope. Uh, and to Rocky's point earlier, right before Nathan channeled that giant blast, he did swear at uh at marshall in that alien language and uh marshall says i didn't even know we could make that sound yeah. <laughs> uh so so with that success they decide to uh to go grab a couple beers um but again it, it it's supposedly you know enough time has passed marshall supposedly has had the powers or nathan rather has had the powers for about three weeks now he's finally getting around to like that would be one of the first things i i would do let me figure out what the heck i can do let me figure out what the extent of these powers are so I know, can, can I help people? Even if you're going to use it for ill-gotten gains, you know, don't you want to know what your limitations are and everything? So it goes back to the whole overcautiousness, overthinking, just can't make a decision that is uh, apparently inherent in uh, in Nathan. But Marshall, you know, he, he seems to be the exact opposite, the other side of the coin, inherently has an idea of how these powers might work, how they might be better, how to... You might be able to channel them and become more powerful um, or either that, or it's just a, a lifetime of reading comics well-spent. So uh, <laughs> any, any comment on the issue up to this point, rock, and then go uh, ahead and take us through the uh, next uh, couple scenes. Sure. Yeah. Well, I, I think you summed it up rather well. It's, it, it was, it was nice to see Nathan sort of call Marshall and, and take the bull by the horns in keeping with his uh, sort of like, he finally overcame his writer's block at the end of issue at the end of issue three. So, you know, now having, you know, like you said, he got a little bit more agency. Once, once things start going right, I think people generally tend to make better decisions moving forward in other aspects of their life. You improve one aspect of your life. Sometimes other aspects improve as well. And, and so him taking the bull by the horns and maybe, Colin Marshall and trying to get some training in and trying to get a handle on this new power. It's a good thing. And, and like you said, you hit the nail on the head. Mar Marshall does seem to have an instinct for this, or at least is a little bit more on the ball and is making some, you know, 
probably a little bit some some common sense judgments here, some common sense observations. And Nathan still seems a little bit naive in some ways, or just a little bit slow on the uptake on some of this stuff. But um, I mean, that's what friends are for, you know. Sometimes, uh, sometimes you need a buddy to 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 tell you to point some things out, and and, and it's a good buddy buddy scene. And you know, moving forward, as they're they're going to go and they're going to grab a beer afterwards. It's very interesting that, it, you know, juxtaposed in between these scenes are the scenes with with uh, Nathan having a conversation with this this machine or this this higher power, this uh, machine like uh, entity. Uh, and uh, and again, uh, on the page, you see you see this alien language and then you see what's written in the alien language, also written in, in English communication is fundamental to any all good relationships and you have this you have this dialogue between between them which is uh which you know the dialogue you know has a double meaning and that's what's so great about the dialogue in in this sequence and and the dialogue you appreciate the dialogue that that this alien is having with Nathan, you know, basically, will you take his life? And you're wondering what he's talking about. At some point, that that has more relevance when you get to the end and a very, very different meaning uh, by the time it gets to the end because it's clear that that Nathan is, that the radiant black is going to, that Earth, you get a sense that Earth is in imminent danger. At some point, it's going to be attacked and it's important to have radiant black protecting the Earth. And you get the sense that this is a really big deal, and you know, will you take his life? And you know, whose life are they talking about? And and then at the, you know, again, this slowly builds. It's building the mystery. And again, kudos to the to the artist Marcelo Costa, the lettering, Becca Carey, the the way that they're conveying the language, the communication. I'm struggling. The reader is trying to get a handle on what is exactly being communicated, as well as uh, as well as the character of Nathan himself standing there. And frankly, at some point, at some point, when we get to the end, I, I'm wondering at, at some point, this character that's having this conversation with this machine, it might, at some point, it becomes Marshall, not Nathan. Or <laughs> it's it sort of, I had to go back and double check it. You know, was it misdirection from the beginning? But very well done, very well done. But again, you don't really appreciate those scenes until you get to the end and then you go back and it's like, Oh my God, I got to look at that scene again. But yeah, uh, I think that, I think that this is the, the end result. This is what the uh, kind of the communication, like they said, was all about. It, it's, it's this, it's the power radiant trying to interface with Nathan. And it's finally gotten to the point where now they can communicate in kind of clear lines of communication with this being, this entity, whatever you want to call it, saying, okay, now that we can communicate clearly, and and it's so interesting because there's little um, parentheticals that give you the subtext, right? Our connection is final. And then there's a parenthetical. Per that What that statement means, it's permanent for the duration <laughs> of your life. You are part of existence. Yeah. <laughs> War is near. That means soon. He will kill you and your entire planet. That's the subtext. Um, <laughs> will you take his life? And again, even in this moment, even in this kind of esoteric 
ephemeral uh, connection that that Nathan has finally established with the power radiant, he still can't make a decision. He's still wishy-washy, you know, and I, yeah, we're going to talk about it at the end, whether or not that played into, to, you know, what might have what might have happened. So, yeah, I agree with what Rocky said. Kudos to the creative team. I mean, it's it's we all know if any, if you've been on social media ever, how hard it is to pick up on sarcasm and and what people mean subtextually. So kudos to them, to the creative team for putting the subtext right there in the parentheticals. So we know, you know, we have the meaning behind the words, which I think is really, really cool. So. Yeah, no, for sure. And uh, while continuing on, they go, they're going to go and they, uh, uh, well, they go, they, they're heading toward what I assume is just to grab a beer and they get attacked by Radiant Red. Radiant Red and Radiant Red wants to confront uh, Nathan because uh, he, you know, he wants to, he wants to basically send a message to Nathan saying, hey, look, leave me alone or I'm going to kick your ass. Stay the hell away from me. You, you, you mind your life. I'll mind my, you know, I'll have my life. You have yours. Stay away from me. And, you know, we haven't, we don't really know much about this radiant red character. Uh, and we, we just assume that he's maybe just uh, a criminal who stumbled upon this power. And we're not really sure who this radiant red is. We have no idea if this radiant red character, who he is, uh, or it could be a she for all we know, but although we, we we get it. We see his eye at some point, so I, I'm assuming it's a he. Is this Radiant Red character on the same team as Radiant Black? Should they be partners? Do they have to work together to save the universe? Are they having the same visions? Are they having the same hallucinations or, or communications with this alien being? We don't really know that. These are questions that are still left unanswered at the end of the issue. But uh, in the meantime, there's an antagonistic relationship between Radiant Red and obviously Nathan, who is Radiant Black. And, but now at this point, uh, Nathan's had some, some training and it's, uh, it's a good scene because, uh, at one point, uh, you know, Marshall pulls out his phone and tells Radiant Red that, yeah, uh, oh, great. I want to take a picture of you getting your ass kicked because <laughs> now that my buddy here, now that uh, Nathan is trained and, um, Radiant Red, uh, Radiant Red is a little bit more blunt than other characters in the story. He basically says right out right out right away to a marshal that you know i don't like you you're annoying <laughs> and, uh, you can kind of understand that <laughs> and appreciate where he's coming from and uh and that leads into uh, quite a quite a significant battle sequence that ultimately uh ends up where they end up crashing through a building and it's ex- extremely well illustrated by marcelo costa and you really see, and in fact, there's at one point in the scene, in the page where they show the, the building being bro- smashed into, you can see all the, the, the structural integrity of the building being compromised because every floor is in fact shattered in the battle between Radiant Red and Radiant Black. So, so what, by the time, you know, when they're in the basement there and they're having their conversation and at, at one point Nathan gets one up on Radiant Red and he could easily kill him, but he chooses not to. And it just just tells him to leave, tells Radiant Red to just leave. And unfortunately, Radiant Red gets angry and reacts emotionally. And we, we know that the more emotion you have, the more anger you have, the more power seems to emanate from this power Radiant. And that seems to be the same for Radiant Red. And the 
the two powers coming together completely compromise the structural integrity of the building. The building falls apart and is uh, in a desperate uh, in a desperate act, but a heroic act. Nathan pushes Radiant Red to safety along with all the people in the building, and then the building collapses on Radiant uh, Black uh, on on Nathan. And it's quite, uh, it's quite a scene. It's, it's beautifully rendered. And, you know, Marshall is shocked. We, the readers are shocked because we, we didn't see this coming. And even Radiant Red seems to be stunned and surprised by the heroic and selfless sacrifice of, of, of Nathan. And it's a shocker. And that brings us to the end, but uh, I'll just stop there and I'll, you know, any, any comment you have in terms of the progression, because we, we get to a point where at the end where, where Marshall's holding Nathan in his arms and uh, that's qu- quite the moment. But up to that point, uh, what do you, what do you have to say about to the, to the pacing that got us there, Jays? Yeah. I mean, again, that scene, we know this was going to be a game changer. It was teased, you know, like I said, right from the start, issue four is being going to be a game changer. So we know it's not as simple as the building falls on him and he's going to be okay. He'll turn the page and he'll fly up out of the building. No, you know, when that building falls on him because of, you know, how impactful this issue was, you know, sold to us as, and then promoted as that, that, yeah. Okay. Nathan's probably not walking away from this one. So yeah, big, big shock. Um, but I do kind of want to go back to the the conversation that um, that Nathan and Marshall were having right before Radiant uh, Radiant Red attacked, because uh, Rocky alluded to it earlier, where the they've gotten uh, Nathan needed to go pick up some groceries with his mom. Now they're walking to, back to Nathan's house. They're going to get those beers, um, and Nathan flat out asks Marshall. What would you do with all this? Or, or, or if I and Marshall reply, well, if I got the black hole thing instead of you, I got a hundred ideas, eighty of them which will make me money, you know. Um, <laughs> but that's not what happened. You're radiant black, and uh, you know, right for right or wrong is kind of the the tone that Marshall's using because Nathan says, well, that sounds like an opinion. He goes, no, I just mean you, you've had these powers for a minute, and you've you've barely done anything with them. You know, it took me asking you how many and you finally came out today to learn how to use your powers. And, you know, again, the wishy-washy Nathan, well, I'm just being cautious. And 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 this might sum up Nathan more than than anything. And it it might not be completely on the nose, but it is certainly the consequence or the real world um, application of his inability to make decisions. Nathan says counterpoint or I'm sorry, Marshall says, counterpoint, you lack vision. Marshall's saying that to Nathan. It's, you know, Nathan's saying, I'm just being cautious. I still don't know what it is. I want to be careful. Marshall, counterpoint, you lack vision. And that might not necessarily be true. Nathan may at one point have been able to have dreams and have visions and, and see the future, you know, not like in a fortune teller kind of way, but but be able to just you know, see things that he wanted to accomplish, but he's become so paralyzed with self-doubt and his failures that he fixates on uh, that despite, you know, his recent breakthrough on the writer's block, which may or may not last. uh, Well, now we know it's not going to last because he's dead, but either way, you know, what, what Marshall is saying is, you know, he doesn't believe that Nathan 
has vision. And if there's anything you can say about Marshall, he certainly has vision, right? He comes up with all these crazy business ideas. So, you know, Marshall goes on to say, you've been good on paper, right? But you're never a big idea guy. And I just think you could be doing more, right? You could be doing more. Yeah. And, and, uh, and Nathan and at tries the to- end, And at the end, at the end of the, there's a two page spread where there's Marshall's school of business at the, at the, at the very end, which yeah. reinforces just how many crazy ideas he has and which I'm just building yeah. on your point. Yeah. And, and those Marshall School of Business, that's a way for the creative team to bring in other of their friends and other aspiring creators, uh, both writers and artists to do those one page stories. And they apparently have 18 of them already done and they're going to continue to do them and throw them in where they can. <laughs> just little humorous uh, ideas of, of Marshall's. Like one is a uh, you can keep newspapers going by appealing to kidnappers because, you know, you always need them for proof of life. I mean, it's just <laughs> ridiculous. Uh, but anyway, getting back to the conversation, uh, Marshall saying, you know, you, you lack vision. You're, you just could be doing more. And Nathan tries to push back. Oh, that's a bunch of BS and blah, blah, blah. And before he can even finish his thought, that's when Radiant, uh, Radiant Red attacks. Um, and so, yeah, I think I, it's a very interesting battle. And you wonder if in the long run, Nathan's inability to have that sort of killer instinct or to be able to kind of finish Radiant Red off didn't cause this to, to happen. It's almost like, you know, Nathan has learned. He is more powerful. Um, you know, his Radiant Red has threatened his family. You know, I know who you are. I know who your parents are. I know where you live. You know, that that emotion that it it uh, brings up in Nathan does amount, uh, uh, allow him to hit Radiant Red with a very powerful blast. It even damages the the Radiant Red costume. And, you know, he's, he's standing there. He's channeling the energy. He has a chance to finish it. Um, and what that means, like, would it actually kill Radiant Red? Would it knock him unconscious? We don't really know. But instead of doing that, he chooses to turn away and say, you know, don't don't ever come back here uh, rather than having that that killer instinct. And you know, obviously Radiant Red has much more of that killer instinct, but you also wonder if Radiant Red, like the, the impression I got was, was Radiant Red, that's even worse, right? That's even worse than being defeated. Like you're not even worth finishing off. You're so, you know, beneath me. It's almost like he's receiving pity or mercy from Radiant Black. And that's what really sends him over the edge and allows him to unleash a huge blast of energy. Cause again, it seems like the power radiant responds to emotion, which ultimately destroys the building. The other thing that's interesting is uh, there's a couple times in the battle where we get a, a repeat of that, uh, that scene of Nathan having that look on his face when the giant robot alien asked him, would you be willing to kill this, this being who's on his way to destroy earth? And Nathan looking down, being indecisive, unable to make that call and unwilling to be able to, to kill basically. Um, and when we get to that point where the building has collapsed and we turn the page uh, and we have uh, Nathan and Marshall's arm, again, we get that, that scene where the, uh, the robot entity is asking him, will you take his life? And and Marshall, uh, uh, Nathan, rather, unable to make a decision. It's that same picture zoomed in even more with uh, with Nathan looking down his his, you know, despondent look on his face 
just not being able to make a decision. Um, and the, the robot entity saying, well, then your world will die. Like if you can't do that, if you're not willing to destroy this entity, uh, if you're not willing to take its life, then your world will die. And you wonder, did that factor into the radiant, the power radiant not saving Nathan's life? Because we, we, we've talked about it several times about how it seems like the power radiant would be strong enough, would be powerful enough to protect Nathan in this instance. Yeah. But it's not. Instead, That's a very we good get, point. Yeah, you got to wonder yeah. if it's like a Green Lantern ring. It, it's got maybe the power radiant. It has sentience and maybe Nathan failed. Nathan is, doesn't prove worthy. And maybe being worthy of it is the ability to use lethal force. Who says the power radiant must go to somebody who's benevolent and won't kill? Maybe they're looking for people who who can kill. <laughs> yeah, there's 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 no way to know. What, what we do know is that Marshall says he's not breathing. He's got no pulse help. And uh, the... The power radiant floats up out of Nathan's chest uh, and very much to the surprise of Marshall, he grabs it. And instead of having this whatever two or three week process of this radiant black power trying to interface with uh, with Marshall, it's almost instantaneous. And so you have to wonder, did you know, was this the first time that the, the, the power radiant had interfaced with a human? And that's what took so long for it to bond with with Nathan fully and be able to communicate because right away uh, Marshall's able to understand. And right away we see him in that sort of esoteric space with this robot entity asking him the same question and, and without hesitation, almost before the robot entity can even finish asking the question, Marshall says, yes. So is it because uh, the entity already bonded with a human? It's able to bond faster with Marshall. Is it because Marshall is just, Maybe he's just the way his brain works, the way his personality is, his his character traits, whatever, just are better suited to the power. Uh, we just don't know. Um, but we do get the blurb at the end there. Like I mentioned earlier, next issue, Radiant Revenge. And you got to think, regardless of whatever the robot entity wants, what we know of Marshall, how much he cared for his friend, the first thing he's going to do when he gets this power is go beat the shit out of Radiant Red. Or at least <laughs> yeah. that's what I – or at least attempt to, right? Um, and so I can't wait. I can't wait for that battle. And uh, again, if you want to see some scenes, some uh, preview pages from that, go check out the uh, the Radiant Radio uh, on on Twitch. So, uh, yeah, again, this completely threw me for a loop. Um, uh, th that one question does remain. Is it Marshall's indecision that that killed him, basically? Um, but even if it was, he did go out a in a very heroic way saving not only all the people in the building, but even the person that is was the cause of it, even saved Radiant Red. So um, definitely a, a Spider-Man moment there, no doubt. So uh, anything else to add about the uh, end of the issue here, Rock? No, it's just, uh, but, you know, again, uh, further compliments to Kyle Higgins, uh, Marcelo Costa, Becca Carey, the, the full creative team here. The questions that we're asking here are just, they're awesome. They're awesome. I mean, how cool is that? That I mean, I, it was the very heroic act uh, of saving a life and putting it, you know, and being unwilling, be, you know, unwilling to take a life and willing to sacrifice your own life is the reason why Nathan died. 
possibly, possibly, you know, because he's not willing to use lethal force. It's sort of like, I mean, there's a reason why. I mean, let's face it: if you're not gonna, if you're not willing to to pull the trigger on a rifle, you're not going to join the military. You're kind of useless, yeah. right? Yeah. In fact, as a matter I'm of fact, a subjective. Yeah, that, that's exactly right. I mean, I remember I got uh, w- one of my degrees that I did nothing with 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 was history, and I took military studies. and And in in fact, uh, statistically, in World War, I think it was in World War One, they they know that only twenty percent of the soldiers in World War One actually fight. You know were responsible, only 20% of the soldiers are responsible for 100% of the deaths, pretty much, because a lot of them never filed their gun. I mean, fear paralyzed uh, a, an astonishing number of soldiers in, in wartime. It's it's grossly underreported. And, you know, fear is the great mind killer. So it's it's not just, are you willing to take a life? It's, can you? Are you, are you actually, do you have the moral fortitude to take a life? Because who says you have to be weak to kill? You have to be strong to pull a trigger to watch somebody die, to know that, that what you're doing, that your actions are ending someone's life. There's a, there's a bravery there as opposed to a cowardice, contrary to what some people will say. You know, I mean, it's a common trope in comic books that, oh, you know, you know, only losers kill, only cowards take the easy way out. No, it ain't. I mean, I, I've never, I've never killed anybody before. I imagine pulling a trigger and blowing someone's head off is pretty damn hard to do, quite frankly. If you stop and think about it, can you do that and then keep on doing it? So, I mean, it's not, to me, I, I like the questions that, that, that you posed here, that Kyle Higgins, you know, the writer, was probably intentional. You know, it's a very interesting question. Did Nathan die because he rejected and was unwilling to use lethal force? And quite frankly, if the, if the safety of the universe depends upon somebody possessing power radiant to, to kill an, a Galactus-like power... Well, bloody well, you know, get over your cowardice or get over your moral, uh, uh, your moral attitude, and you know, maybe Marshall. It's sort of like the whole Gotham, like the Batman expression. You know, uh, you know, it's the Batman was the is the hero that Gotham needs, or whatever that expression was. I mean, I mean, Marshall is probably the hero that the universe needs right now because. Uh, you know, anyways, this is really interesting and I'm, I'm so fascinated as to where this is going to go because here we're thinking that maybe Radiant Red is, is going to be the bad guy, the villain. But isn't it interesting if Marshall is the, both the good guy and Slash, maybe a little bit of an anti-hero? Well, we'll see. Yeah, it is. It is very interesting. You almost feel like Nathan making that choice not to. And again, he, I'm not saying he necessarily had to kill Radiant Red. He could have blasted him one more time and knocked him unconscious or whatever. But that show of mercy may have been the one thing that where the, the the you know the entity that bestowed the power you know just said, yeah, this is not the guy. He he lacks. Like, what if he freezes up in that moment? You know, at mm-hmm. that at that at the exact moment he needs to kill this entity that's coming to destroy the Earth. Um, and I, you know, you got to think that in that moment, Nathan would weigh, you know, the, the lives of many of everybody on earth versus whoever this is coming to destroy earth and would choose to save his home planet. But you just don't know. And certainly this, this robot entity doesn't know. Uh, Cause again, it based on how long it took the radiant, uh, the power radiant to, in, to fully integrate and interface with a human the first time, it's clear that they don't really maybe know humans. And so, you know, if the first human that you're learning from is Nathan, you know, I'm sorry and, and you know, all respect. And I, I like Nathan as a character, but 
man, he's not exactly painting us with the, you know, the, or putting us in the best light. He's not exactly the best representation. Uh, you know, he's awfully, you know, just filled with self doubt and, um, and just wearing his heart on his sleeve with this failure and, you know, having to slink back home with the tail between his legs. It's just, and it might have, you know, it could be that at a different time in his life, Nathan would have been a great representation of the, the human race. And uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and Marshall's going to bring his own baggage to it too. Right. Like he's not exactly who I would pick either with all his, schemes and harebrained ideas or whatever but uh you know like rocky's to rocky's point you know he may not be uh the hero we want but he might be the hero that we need so i guess we'll uh we'll find out but i i echo rocky's um sentiments the entire creative team they've knocked it out of the park um to kind of paraphrase what i just said about what you know not the hero we want but the hero we need this might not be the story we wanted uh with uh with nathan dying but it's certainly the story we need because it's it's absolutely amazing. It's 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 well crafted and done really really well. And you know to uh, reiterate the point that Kyle Higgins made on his Twitch stream the other night, you know, creator owned. He wanted to take a big swing. I think they knocked it out of the park. Um, I mean, I guarantee you that as soon as I get that uh, press copy of Radiant Black number five. I'm going to be reading it immediately because <laughs> yeah. I cannot wait for the next issue. This was just inspired. And uh, I love that we we took the time to go back and look at issues one through three and even the beginning of four with that context of knowing that Nathan died at the end of issue four, because it does put things in a completely different light in my mind. So uh, if you have read them, uh, hopefully this helps you, uh, you know, experiencing them in a, in a different way and putting some of that stuff in context. And I, I would encourage you all to go back and reread one through four in one sitting in preparation for uh, issue five. And you might pick up on some subtext that we even missed. And if you do, please leave a comment in the, the uh, comment section below or hit us up on Twitter. Uh, the, the Twitter handles will be in the show notes as well as um, the Twitch streamer who, uh, who puts out Radiant Radio once a month, as I said, uh, it's I, I think I gave it incorrectly earlier, uh, but there will be a, a link. As I said, it's Strawberry 17 Plays. So S-T-R-A-W-B-U-R-R-Y 17-P-L-A-Y-S. Uh, but if you follow Kyle or Michael Basuto or the Radiant Black uh, Twitter uh, account, whenever they're going to broadcast and have a new episode of Radiant Radio, they put it out there. It's a great community. People are asking questions in chat and, uh, it's a lot of fun. I do encourage it. They're, they're usually about 40 minutes long, so it's not overly long. But um, I'm, I, I mean, people seem to really be responding to this. That's the other thing that we should mention. You got to pre-order this book. Every single issue has sold out. I think issue one has gone to a third printing now. Um, and that's even with, you know, tons of variants and whatnot. They're, these things are selling out. If you want to not miss out on issues of Radiant Black, you better tell your retailer to, to order it for you because uh, there's no guarantee that you're going to get a copy otherwise. So. Yeah, and also, uh, you know, the speculator side of me, even if you get a second or third print, man, hey, the second or third print might even be worth more money in the long run. <laughs> you never know with the spec market now. So, you yeah. know, on the second and third print, I mean, uh, it's inspired some of the the designs. Uh, every second, every printing is a different design. It, it looks... Everything looks amazing. The art's amazing. It's very there, there's a lot of creativity here, and you know everything from from not just the art and the, and the coloring, but 
in very intentional, deliberate use of lettering and and the and the and the way that the letters blend and the conveying of, of language from 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 the English language into computer code or like or whatever you call it, they're the language of the aliens. Very well done. And if you just take your time to enjoy every panel, this this is it. Really, this is exactly what this is what makes comic books a high art form. And this is a credit to the comic book, uh, uh, comic collecting. It's, and this is, this is, the, this is why the independent market is, is doing, is just so, is doing so well. And another reason why people are moving away from the big two and embracing independent titles like this. And, uh, again, kudos to the creative team, like you said. Yeah. And I, I do agree with you. I think that, you know, comparing the beginning of invincible to this, I think this is better. Um, you know, not to take anything away from Invincible, uh, but I can't help him. You know, the Invincible cartoon has been very good. And even though anybody who read the comic knew about his, you know, Mark Grayson's father being uh, an alien who actually was the bad guy, uh, you know, at least for the first act of the story. Still, uh, even when we got the, the press copies, we were told not to, not to speak about that because there's tons of people that haven't read the comic that don't read comics that are just going to experience it for the first time as a cartoon. Can you imagine the, you know, third episode of a radiant black cartoon? And after, you know, <laughs> exactly. people have fallen in love with Nathan, boom, they kill him. <laughs> yeah. Man, I, I, I would love to see a radiant black cartoon. I, I don't think it would happen anytime soon. I mean, obviously we're only on the fourth issue, uh, but it also wouldn't surprise me if Kyle Higgins has already had people reach out to him. Cause that's just the nature of comic book properties these yeah. days. But it is, I think, similar enough to Invincible that people would probably want to wait what? for Invincible to be done or at least some time time to pass. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm all in. But I'm even a movie, in. though, Jace, even a movie. I mean, imagine a oh, trilogy yeah. of movies of Radiant Black at, at the end of the first movie. You know, the, the main superhero dies and then his buddy, you know, it ends with the scene of his buddy reaching for the, oh, you're for talking the, for the power of Radiant. What's that? I was thinking. I was thinking animated. So you're talking. Let's go live. A live action. Sure. Why not? <laughs> oh my god, that would be amazing. Yeah. And at the end of the first movie, Nathan dies. Holy! I could. I would just. You know what? I would watch the movie, and then I would make sure I had plenty of popcorn left, and I'd walk out and sit outside where the people were exiting and just eat popcorn and watch people walk out going. I can't believe they killed him. Uh, you know, just their reactions. <laughs> oh my, it would be amazing. It would be absolutely amazing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I would love, I would love that. So uh, anyway, it's a great series. Obviously we're, we're singing its praises. We hope you guys all enjoyed it. Um, like I said earlier, hopefully we're going to get the DC books and be able to get the DC spotlight on, out on time. Even if we don't uh, may come out on Wednesday or Thursday, we'll definitely get it out for you this week. Once we get a chance to get the books and actually read them. Um, I also have a, uh, a Kickstarter spotlight coming out this week. That's a little bit different than the normal Kickstarter spotlights I do. Uh, writer Mark Bernardin, uh, you may know him from his work on uh, Treadstone, or uh, he, he recently helped in the writer's room for the new uh, Masters of the Universe reboot. Uh, reboot. He also does the uh, Fat Man Beyond podcast with Kevin Smith. He started out as an entertainment journalist. He, he's he's just he's written on so many fantastic shows. Well, he's got a Kickstarter out. He wants to make his own short film, and the idea for this film is absolutely incredible. He's a big Twilight Zone fan, and this is a very 
Twilight Zone type story. I'm not going to tell you anything about what the story is about because I want you to tune in and hear it from Mark himself. But he's going to come on and talk about this Kickstarter he has going on uh, to fund this short film that he wants to that he's written uh, the script for and he wants to uh, direct and, and bring it to life. So it's a it's a great cause. Uh, you know, normally we won't cover much film stuff, but I really believe in this. And, and Mark's a great guy. He's written a bunch of comics as well. We'll talk a little bit about his previous comic work. So that's coming up on Wednesday's Kickstarter Spotlight. Uh, I encourage you to check that out. We're also continuing with our Star Wars War of the Bounty Hunters uh, in-depth spotlights every Friday. So we'll be covering the next uh, prelude issue, which I believe is a Darth Vader issue, uh, which flashes back to uh, a Han Solo Dar- versus Darth Vader story. So we got that coming up this week as well. Uh, and our, of course, our normal uh, Wednesday New Comic Book Day episode, which is spoiler-free, talking about some of the books that we've had a chance to read this week. Uh, what about you, Rocky? I noticed that you... Uh, Earlier today, I was just about to start to watch it, and then we decided to record this. Uh, but you put out a Black Adam spec uh, episode. I really want to check that out. Anything else that you uh, have coming up? And, and give us a little more detail about the Black Adam episode you just put out. Uh, yeah, well, th- th- there's a lot of Black Adam comic books. Uh, actually, there's there's uh, Black Adam uh, in 1977. It was really his first... Uh, well, he, he premiered in the in, in the Golden Age, but his, his he really... His appearances from 1977 to present uh, ha- for DC have been have been very interesting. He's had a number of interesting storylines from uh, Villains United to uh, the 52 Weekly series to uh, the Black Rain uh, story arc in uh, Justice Society in the JSA written by uh, J- Jeff Johns. It's likely the Black Rain storyline that's probably going to have some influence on the Black Adam movie. And uh, it's going to be interesting and and. Isis is supposed to be in the back at a movie, which premieres on in December twenty second this year, and Isis's brother Osiris, who becomes Osiris, begins power from saying Black Adam's name, and all these interesting storylines that we've gotten. There's there's a whole slew of them, and there's all these cool covers, and and DC hasn't been getting a lot of spec love in the speculation market, and I just wanted to I wanted to put a video out showing all the Black Adam covers, the DC comic book covers for Black Adam. And even even the last one with uh, Endless Winter had a, gr- a gorgeous cover B of uh, drawn by Boss of uh, of uh, beautiful, beautiful cover B cover for Endless Winter special number one with Black Adam on the cover. And yeah, so I think Black Adam needs some love. And I, there's some criticism there of... Uh, uh, I, 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 I have to say real quick that I think uh, Dwayne Johnson, he needs to work out less instead of working out so much he needs to take a couple acting classes if the guy took <laughs> if if the guy put half as much effort into learning how to act as he did working out he would be a better actor i mean i think the last thing we need is another muscle on on black adam like do we really need more muscles on dwayne johnson really do we really need that anyways i i digress but yeah i do that you know what? that's, that's an interesting point that's an interesting point because uh you know I thought Dave Batista in the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie was was pretty terrible. Um, and I, I don't necessarily think that it, it was his acting. I don't think he had much to work with. Um, but I've been hearing his name more and more. He's been doing more and more projects, and people have been giving him compliments on his acting. And even the Army of the Dead movie, which I have no plans to watch because it's Zack Snyder and people I trust have told told me it's terrible. But he's uh, Dave Batista has been called out for really improving his acting skills over the years. Right. And people are saying, well – it's probably because Dave Batista puts as much dedication into training to be an actor as he did in training to be a wrestler and training his body to peak physical, uh, 
uh, condition, you know, so may, you know, when you talk about, uh, Dwayne Johnson, maybe needing to do the same thing, you know, there, there could be something to be said for that. And don't get me wrong. I, I I'm a Dwayne Johnson fan. I think the guy's, oh, sure. yeah. uh, you know, a super nice guy and, and very, uh, intelligent and well-spoken and, um, but yeah, I, I, I mean, I don't expect a lot from him, but I haven't, it's not, it's not like I go watch every movie he's had. I mean, I just expect him to be an imposing kind of presence and, and punch things. But I think in other movies I've heard is act he's been called out for not uh, doing a lot with the roles he's been given. So yeah, yeah, could be, you make a good, good case. Good point. Yeah. But no, that's, uh, that's what I got coming out so far. And I'm, I'm always, I'm always thinking. But uh, I'm I'm always pumping out stuff. But I, you know, I'll probably have some more top. Um, I'm focusing on on some speculator lists and some different top tens and top twenties, and uh, that'll be coming out in the next little bit. So, fantastic. So, yeah. uh, if you guys want to make sure you don't miss any of that content, be sure you click subscribe. Uh, if you're listening to us on the podcast, uh, be sure you head over to YouTube, the Comic Boom with an exclamation point. Uh, just do a search for the channel hit the subscribe, make sure you click that notification bell. Uh, give this video a like if you uh, are so inclined. Uh, all that stuff really helps uh, Rocky's visibility and uh, helps us uh, at the comic source as well, because uh, as you all know, as I've said a hundred times, the more uh, likes and the bigger reach we have, the more accessibility that we get, uh, the more we're able to, to get guests on the show, get interviews and uh, all that kind of good stuff. So uh, we appreciate everybody listening as always. We hope you enjoyed this deep dive uh, analysis into Radiant Black through the lens of the uh, tragic death of Nathan at the end of issue four. So uh, as always, thanks for listening and we'll talk to you next time. See you later. You can find the Comic Source Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, or whichever podcasting app you prefer. Please tell all your friends about us, subscribe and rate us. The ratings really help with our visibility and our ability to reach new listeners, especially five-star reviews on Apple. Also be sure to visit us at lrmonline.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover all our other great pop culture content. If you want to email us, the email address is thecomicsourceblog at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash thecomicsource. Do a search for The Comic Source on Facebook and Instagram to follow us on those social platforms. All three spots are great places to find out when we release new episodes as well as follow all our convention coverage. So once again, we want to thank everyone for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.